Only Big Sills can start the program off. Pissing everybody in Philly off. Big Sills! Welcome aboard here. Hey, before we get into cowboy talk, yes, cowboy talk. They're in OTAs today. Had a great conversation with Stephen Jones. And we're going to do a little cowboy talk right out of the gate here. By the way, bottom of the hour, we'll change gears. Our friend Rick Barry, NBA Hall of Famer, will join us. And we'll talk a little hoop with him. Game five tonight, Celtics and Heat. So we'll get his thoughts. Also, his proclamation about the Joker being the best player on the planet. (laughs) He's right. It's not the guy in Philly. It's not the dude in Philly. It's the guy in Denver. Surely is, man. So we're going to talk to our friend Rick Barry. That'll be at the bottom of the hour. All right. Hey, man, I got to hand it to Big Red in Kansas City. Big Red is, he's old school. You know, and you guys brought this up to me yesterday about the new kickoff rule where you could do fair catches inside 25. I don't even really care about the rule. I don't even want to know the details of the thing. I just know this. Big Red goes, hey, what are we going to be playing? Touch football soon? Dude, I'm surprised that the owners haven't outlawed tackling yet. I'm surprised they haven't outlawed tackling. I mean, I get it, too. They don't want to get into a courtroom. They don't want to have another billion-dollar lawsuit against them. I totally get it, and I understand it. But you're taking what football is. Dude, it's a contact sport. People watch football. Why? Because people get hurt. You don't want to admit this. But when you're on the highway and there's a car wreck, why do you slow down? What, do you want to see someone killed? It's kind of what it is. What was the draw to Mike Tyson fights? You never knew what he was going to do. Americans love watching train wrecks. America's, we, we, we love train wrecks. We love contact. Hey, when you showed up at the Coliseum, you weren't showing up at the Coliseum back in the day to watch people play patty cake. You were watching Lions and Gladiators. People love that. Why do you watch NASCAR? Well, because someone could get killed. You don't want to admit it. Why do you watch boxing? Because someone could get killed. There's an element to the sport you don't want to take away. You're never going to take the element of a potential serious injury like we saw with Hamlin last year with the Bills. You're never going to take that away. By the way, this is going to sound awful, Tone. Everyone, this is going to sound awful. That injury to that Buffalo Bill did more for the game and the exposure and the popularity of the game than anything you can ever have. That that was worth a trillion dollars in advertising. And and notice, well, the game is that dangerous? Well, I better tune it on. That kid getting hurt in that game in Cincinnati did more for the sport. The Patrick Mahomes throwing four touchdowns. Because then you had the outlier fan going, 
That kid almost got killed on the field. No, no, no. He died twice. And they resuscitated him. What? I Really? Shit. We're always intrigued with that. It's crazy. Hey, you don't want to hear that, though. And the league doesn't want to promote that. You don't want to promote that. But that's what the NFL is. The element of someone getting hurt. And and Andy Reid's right. Well, if you just don't want... See, what the NFL can't do, they can't figure out how to get rid of the kickoff. They, They haven't figured out how to get rid of the kickoff. They want to get rid of it, but they can't. They don't know how to get rid of it. Because it's the biggest impact for players that are in any football game at any time because you're running down the field full speed. It's it's the play that gets you hurt the most, is the kickoff. And the NFL hasn't figured out how to get rid of it yet. They probably won't, but they haven't figured it out without damaging how the game is delivered to its fans. Take the kickoff away, there's an element. I mean, you see what the XFL and USFL do. They try to come up with less ways to have impact. But that play, the kickoff is the most dangerous play in the NFL. And they haven't figured out how to get rid of it. That's why they're coming up with all these dumbass ways to try to protect the players. You can't. They just have not been able to get any kind of consensus on how to get rid of the kickoff. So... That's what they're trying to do. You see that, right? They're they're doing everything they can to try to get rid of it. Also reduces the commercial revenue. Absolutely, because after kickoffs, you go to what? You go to commercial break. Right? That's why they don't get rid of the extra point. The extra point. Why don't you just add seven when a guy scores? Extra point. It's a great commercial break. I told you guys that. Absolutely. It's another way of delivering the game. Until they can figure it out. We're going to come up with these quirky rule changes. It's whatever. And pretty soon again, once you take out tackling, then you get touch football. All right. So as I said, Rick Barry will join us at the bottom of the hour. And the Dallas Cowboys are in OTAs today. So I thought I'd start the first block off with Cowboy Talk. And then what you can do if you're an Eagle fan, how close are they to closing that gap, the Cowboys to the Eagles? Look, I said this the last two weeks. I think it's 49ers and Cowboys that are your biggest threats to win the NFC. And I made a prediction. I think it's going to be Cowboys and Eagles in the NFC championship game. I think those... I think those two teams are going to make it all the way to the NFC title game. I think this is going to be the year that Dallas finally breaks through and gets to a conference championship game. Okay? So I I, I made that prediction about a month ago, and I'm holding to that. So I wrote down five questions that I have for the Dallas Cowboys this year. And if you're an Eagle fan, answer them. And if you're a 49er fan, answer it. Because it might apply to you. Here are the, this is going into OTAs. 
the Dallas Cowboys. Question one. What will Mike McCarthy bring to the new offense for the Dallas Cowboys? What will be the upgrade or the new look that Kellen Moore wasn't able to do and able to get that offense into the second round of the playoffs? It's a West Coast-style offense. We know that's where he cut his chops. He's a West Coast guy. So you're going to see more people spreading out defenses on the Cowboy offense. They've increased their personnel. McCarthy has been a pretty fair play caller. And I think he brings at least this, a different direction in what the Cowboys have been doing over the last couple of years with Kellen Moore. I think Kellen Moore has a chance to be a head coach in this league. He's now with the Chargers. But to me, again, I think it's going to be interesting to see what he adds to the Dallas Cowboy offense. Question two, Cowboys and OTAs today. And by the way, if you're Sean Desai or the Eagles and Mike McCarthy's the offensive coordinator slash head coach on the other side, he's no Andy Reid. What would Mike McCarthy and that West Coast-style offense do immediately to Sean Desai and that Eagle defense? They're going to try to run the ball on you. They're going to try to run the ball. I believe they're going to. And I think they're going to to be heavy in the slot. You're going to see the slot be a big time. I don't really think they're that great at tight end, the Cowboys. Going into OTAs. I don't really think they're that great. I think they're going to go by committee at o, um, in the offensive attack at the tight end position. I think they're going to be by committee, and I think that hurts them a little bit. Number two. How will the Cowboys use Michael Parsons this year? You know, he's labeled as a linebacker defensive end. Are the Cowboys and Dan Quinn, as they're going through OTAs, and again, I talked to Stephen Jones last night, and I said this to him. I go, are you going to have this guy stationary at one position, defensive end or linebacker? He goes, I don't believe we're going to go into training camp with that philosophy. I think we're going to go into training camp and what we're going to use Michael Parsons as, it just determines on what kind of offensive skill set people that we have week in and week out. And I think that makes the Cowboys a lot more versatile. One week you might see Michael Parsons with his hand in the dirt. Another week you might see Michael Parsons on the edge. You may see them moving him around. From what I'm understanding, the Cowboys are not just going to make him a rush end. See, this is what separates him and why he's a better football player than Hassan Reddick. You can't do that with Reddick. You can't move Reddick all around and put his hand down in the dirt and have him stand up in a in a three-point stance. You can't because he can cover tight ends and backs. He's got the speed and he's got the athleticism. Reddick doesn't have that. Now, Reddick has one skill set that I believe that is superior. I don't know superior, but better than Michael Parsons. I think he's a better pass rusher. But Parsons is the more complete ball player. 
And I think they're going to take advantage. I would, because to me, to me, I think it's, I think it's in today's NFL. I think it's better to have hybrid guys. You know, you know how the NBA has gotten rid of the center position almost. And everybody is kind of like a big power forward that plays a five spot to me. I think he's like a hybrid guy. You could put him up in a three, put him in a four, put him in a five technique, put him in a wide nine. You could do a lot of things with him. You can't do that with Redick. Okay? You can't you can't make you 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 can't make that conversation for Hassan Redick. He's not that good when it comes. Make up your mind so it's one week it's Hassan. That's no, you gotta listen better. I have never said. That Hassan Reddick. I said Hassan Reddick had more impact at the end of the year. Just, just to reiterate, Michael Parsons is a better football player than Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick created and played better as a pass rusher from week eight on, in my opinion, than what Michael Parsons did. I never said that Hassan Reddick was a good tackler or he could cover backs. As a matter of fact, he sucks at it. Okay, he's not good. Okay, but he's an elite pass rusher. Whatever you want to make of that, you go right ahead. Great. Rob goes, Reddick had 16 sacks. I know, dude. I just said that. So I think it's going to be interesting. He's not a better football player than him. Don't kid yourself. Now, his sacks... Last year had more impact than what than what Reddick did or than what Michael Parsons did. But again, he doesn't have the he's not a very good tackler. I'm not gonna debate something that's a dumb conversation. Question number three for the Cowboys. How will the O-line look? Terrence Steele still recovering from knee injury. Um, you know, I've actually heard people say that they think this old line is compatible or comparable to the Eagles, and I'm like, not close. The Eagles are the best offensive line, even with a hole at right guard, than any offensive line in the NFL. I would put the top three offensive lines, Ravens and, and Lions, with the Eagles being in the top three, and I don't, I would not put the Dallas Cowboys up there in that conversation. I would not put the Cowboys there. So to me, I think again, here's a position that's overhyped. Here's a position that is overhyped. Okay. Question number four. The wide receiver core, who's going to be the two? Brandon Cooks? Michael Gallup? That kid Jalen Tolbert needs to pick his game up. I don't think he's, I didn't think he was very, I didn't think he was that hot. So who's going to be the two hole guy? And how will the rookies, last question, how will the rookies pan out this year for the Cowboys? Those are your five questions in training camp or OTAs right now, I would think, for the Cowboys. 
what will Mike McCarthy's offense look like and what will he bring to it? How will the Cowboys use Michael Parsons this year? How will that old line look? Wide receivers, who ends up being the two? And the rookies. Now I want to get into a topic that I saw a comment that Devontae Smith made. How many people believe that Devontae Smith is a top 10 wide receiver? By the way, bottom of the hour, our friend Rick Barry. How many people believe that Devontae Smith is a top 10 wideout? He believes he's a top 10 wideout. How many people believe he's a top 10 guy? Devontae has more talent than AJ. How many people believe that Devontae Smith is a top 10 wide receiver? 2022 league numbers say that he was and is ranked ninth in receiving yards. That's not what I asked you. You think he's the ninth best wide receiver in National Football League? Let's, let's play a game. Devontae Smith thinks he's a top 10 wideout. Let's take a look at this. Because I don't. You think he's better than Devontae Adams? 100 catches, 1,500 yards last year. On a shitty Raider team with 14 touchdowns. You think he's a be- <laughs> Come on, man. Who else? Okay. I'm going to get there. You think Devontae Smith's better than Devontae Adams? Not close. Do you think Devontae Smith is better than Justin Jefferson? Not close. Do you think Devontae Smith is better than Tyree Kill? Not close. Do you think Devontae Smith He's better than Jamar Chase. No, I do not. If I'm drafting Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase, I'm going with Jamar Chase. Do you think Devontae Smith is better than Stefan Diggs? I do not. Okay, I do not. Do you think that Devontae Smith is a better wide receiver than Cooper Cup. He had better numbers. Cup got hurt. You think he's a better receiver than Cooper Cup? He's not. Do you think that Devontae Smith is a better receiver than A.J. Brown? No. I'm at seven now. Do you think... That Devontae Smith is a better receiver than Debo Samuel. I do not. Do you think that Devontae Smith is a better wide receiver than Mike Evans? He's not. Do you think Devontae Smith is a better wide receiver than Terry McLaurin? He's not. 
Okay, so there's 10. Let me throw some other ones at you. You think he's better than DK Metcalf? He's not. You think he's better than Jalen Waddle? He's not. He's not better than DeAndre Hopkins. Shit, I'm at 13. Do you think he's better than CeeDee Lamb? So wait, if I'm going to draft a wide receiver here, am I going to draft Devontae Smith over Jalen Waddle? Jalen Waddle, the last two years, with a cast of... Here, let's, let me take a look at that. Since Tone's bringing up stats, by the way, Tone did say top 15. I think he's somewhere in there, too. I do. So let me see Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle's stats. Since we're going with stats. Let's see. Waddle's first year, he had 104. Jalen Waddle, his first year had 104 catches for 1,015. This last season... In in um, Miami, he had seventy five catches for thirteen fifty six and eighteen yards a catch. You think he's better than Devontae? Or yeah, <laughs> come on, man. So where would you put him? Fifteenth, probably right. He ain't no top ten wideout. And by the way, if he's the number one option and AJ ain't on that team, I don't know. He's Adam Thielen. No. <laughs> he's not Adam Thielen. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't go crazy. I'm kidding. He's not Adam Thielen. But you know what though? Here, here, let's be let, let's 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 be. Real here a little bit. I like his attitude. I want him to think he's a top 10 guy. Now, do I think he's here? Here. Do I think the kid has the potential to be here? A Marvin Harrison? Sure. I do. I see Marvin Harrison when I see Devontae Smith. Marvin Harrison's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. So don't get your panties in a bind over this. That's, I mean, Marvin Harrison. Now, he did have Peyton Manning, okay? Eddie goes trolling because I think A.J. Brown's better than Devontae Smith. That's trolling? Where on that list would you put him in the top 10? He has nothing on his stat sheet that says he's better than Mike Evans. He has nothing on that stat sheet that says he's better than Debo Samuel. Who would you rather throw the ball to, Debo Samuel or Devontae Smith, if you were the only option? I'm going to Debo. He's a more physical player. So is Mike Evans. If my only option is Devontae Smith or Mike Evans, I'm going to Mike Evans. What was the stat that Tone said to him? Was it seven to ten years? He had a 1,000 yards or some crazy number like that? Devontae Smith. If he's your only option... 
Dude, that guy's not better than Stefan Diggs. Hey, what is he better than CeeDee Lamb? Because I think that's the argument. I think that's the argument. Mike Evans has a thousand yards in every season of his career. That's insanity. So you think, well, I'm not even gonna go there. Top three wide out. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> wow. The homerism with the Eagle fans is out in force today. Holy cow. It is out in force. He's a top three wide out. So you would take you would take Devontae Smith over Justin Jefferson or Tyreek Hill. <clears throat> Excuse me. Or or again over AJ. So you take you think he's the best receiver. If he's a top three receiver. You think he's better than A.J. Brown? Debo's a joke? Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, the homerism. Bro, I'm just happy we have two wide receivers in a discussion as an Eagle fan. That is cool. That is cool. You're right, because most teams only have one. You're dead right. You, Cincinnati. I mean, look at Kansas City. Kansas City has no conversation. It's actually a fantastic point. You're debating right now what guy's going to end up being, okay, a superstar player in five years. You got to remember something about A.J. Brown. He's only 25. We're not talking about an older player here. I believe Smith is better than C.D. because he can play everywhere. C.D. only wins in the slot. Um. So my top 10 go like this. Devontae Adams, one. Justin Jefferson, two. Tyree Kill, three. Jamar Chase, four. Stefan Diggs, five. Cooper Cup, six. A.J. Brown, seven. Terry McLaurin, Commanders, eight. Debo Samuel, nine. Mike Evans, 10. Hopkins, 11. Metcalf, 12. Waddle, 13. Now it's between Lamb and... Devontae. Who's bigger, Tone? Who's 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 a bigger player? You know, Devontae Smith does play in a power offense. He does play in a power offense. So so wait a minute, Fly. Dude, Waddle, Waddle has dominated Jalen. Or fly. Waddle has dominated um, Devontae Smith. His two years in the league. He's dominated him. Yeah, I think he had 15 more catches, maybe 20 more catches, but the yardage is all on Waddle's side. Guy had 1,400 yards. I don't know. Um, between CD and, um, between CD Lamb and, um, Devontae Smith, Smith has better hands and better body control. Not in college. Hey, who cares? Screw college, dude. You're getting a paycheck now. Nobody gives a shit about college. And by the way, Devontae Smith was not the number one option at Alabama. 
Devontae Smith became the number one option at Alabama when Jalen Waddell got hurt in the Tennessee game. That's when he became the number one option. He was the number one option on that team. Then he got hurt in that Tennessee game, and then Devontae Smith went on to win the Heisman. Lamb is bigger. I think that's a pretty good conversation. Who's a better receiver? Who would you rather have? Who would you draft right now higher? Smith or Lamb? See, the problem with. See, you got to remember something with Devontae Smith's numbers. And tell me, Tone, if you agree, and everyone, if you guys agree. The, the issue with Devontae, it's because it's in an RPO offense. He may not be targeted that one week. Whereas in the Cowboy offense, CeeDee Lamb goes to sleep and you may not see him for weeks and they throw the ball. Yeah, when it's taller, 18 pounds, it's not a big deal. But Lamb, Lamb disappears. You know what? And, and Devontae doesn't disappear. Sometimes he disappears because of who they're playing against and who's, who's defending him. Not by his... Not by his lack of ability, but because that's not the direction that the offense is going in that particular week. They may attack a particular corner or safety. And that's how the Eagles kind of attack people. That's why one week you see Goddard, you see Brown, or you'll see Smith one week. You know, sometimes you get both guys having a great game. I think it's a different approach in how the Eagles attack people. Who's more well-rounded wide receiver, Waddle or Smith? Miguel said. Man. Hey, by the way, I don't think that that, when I say that Waddle's a better player, um, I'm not saying that it's like massive. I'm saying that. And you got to always worry about empty calorie stats in Miami when you're out of a race. And you're just doing it for yards. You know what I mean? So you got to worry about that. You know, do, do, do we agree with this? To me, Devontae Smith plays in a more structured offense, maybe in a really structured offense than any of these other guys. These other guys have a lot of latitude to break routes. That's one thing you're never going to see with Devontae Smith. I think he's in a more controlled offense. And I think that's good. I think what he did last year, and he picked his game up from, like, week eight. If you look at the first half of his season, I mean, dude, that guy had a donut at one time. Okay? Top ten wide receivers don't have donuts. Now, you may have a donut in that offense. Okay? He got those numbers in an RPO. That's when we were talking to Bruce Arians yesterday. Bruce is like, dude, I mean... This guy's the best option quarterback that the NFL has ever seen that can throw. That's That was my takeaway. And that, that is my takeaway. I mean, he, he is like an old veer quarterback and an old option wishbone quarterback who can actually throw. The big deal with those quarterbacks back in the day, 70s and 80s, those guys couldn't throw the ball to save their lives. That's why none of them went on to really be NFL guys. They couldn't play because they couldn't throw the ball. Or the NFL offensive coordinators 
didn't want to put that offense in. See, you know what, Tone? I'll tell you what, man. Okay, I would I would say this to you. You know, it just shows you right now. You know how you kept the black quarterback out of the National Football League? You didn't put those offenses in the NFL. Pretty slick. I never thought of that. Pretty slick. Pretty slick. You denied a lot of opportunities for quarterbacks who were superstar players like Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. And now that's a, that's a pretty good conversation. I had never really thought about that before. That's that's that to me. That to me again is something that we're going to have to pick up a little bit later. But if you think about it, that's kind of why you're seeing these new wave quarterbacks, like Bruce Arians said yesterday, that RPO offense is here to stay. All right, we're going to change gears here for a bit and. Man, I'll tell you something about Rick Barry. Rick said this about the MVP voting two weeks ago. He goes, Joker's the best player. And everybody was all like, what are you talking about? Everyone in Philly went, what's Rick saying? I mean, and Bede had, and I, I got to I gotta give it to Rick. I'm watching a better version, or how about this? A modern day version, and a not athletic, as athletic as Akeem Olajuwon. This guy can pass, free throws jump shot, his passing at that size. I can't think of a better passer at that size and height. Maybe Bill Walton? And Bill wasn't seven feet. He was more like a 6'10", 6'11". Today, he'd be a power forward. Let's bring Rick in and get his thoughts on that. Rick, you're dead on, man. I mean, you said the best player on the planet's in Denver, and he's putting it out there for display that you're dead on with this guy. This guy, Joker, is the best player in the planet. Well, let me straighten something out. First of all, I didn't say he's the best player. I said he. Was, I think he was the most valuable player because, again, you can't pick the best player if you want to talk about positions. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. That's this bullshit about the uh, the and you know the, the goat is is ridiculous. I mean, there's no such thing as a goat in a team sport. It has to be by position and have a discussion about that. But MVP is a different story. And I've always been a you know uh, somebody who was try to get them to think about having two awards, have a most outstanding player and a most valuable player. Sometimes the most outstanding player isn't necessarily the most valuable player and, you know, and vice versa. And especially, you know, well, forget all-star games because it's not even a game anymore. That's a joke. Uh, no. So the Joker without question, and it should be Western conference, Eastern conference. That's the biggest ridiculousness that the NBA has done forever. They refuse to have it. You have an unbalanced schedule. It makes no sense to pick the best player in the entire league when you don't have a balanced schedule. It's insane. You know, just like in football, you're going to go ahead and pick an overall MVP. No, they have the MVP for what? NFC, AFC, right? I mean, same thing in baseball. So why is basketball going to be different? And it makes no sense because what happened is the Joker should have been the MVP again this season in the Western Conference, and B could have been the MVP in the Eastern Conference. Great, no problem with that. But I do think that what, what the Joker has shown in this series is that he's a pretty damn good player. I mean, the guy's amazing. And I have to say one other thing that you say. He doesn't have a jump shot. He doesn't jump. (laughs) It's a set shot. But, man, I love the way this guy plays. And Bill Wall was a good analogy, an incredible passer that Bill Wall was. And the Joker is is every bit as good, if not better. He's amazing. I mean, the way he plays the game, it's like he plays the game in a whole different fashion than other people, especially big guys. It's like he's 
sees the game in slow motion. I can I can relate to what he's saying because I and when he watches, he has this peripheral vision of the court. You know, you see everything going on. Fortunately, I think I had that when I play. You know, when I broadcast and do stuff, I see things going on out there. And when and when I, it's hard for me to listen to a lot of broadcasts because guys are talking about the obvious all the time, and some other really interesting stuff has happened, and nobody ever talks about it. But uh, yeah, the Joker is special, and um, he 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 got shortchanged this year. And I really do think that a lot of these writers, a lot of maybe the older guys, they don't want to give somebody three MVPs in a row for some reason. It's like there's oh no, you can't do that. You know, it's he's really he's not that great. Hey. If the guy is that good that season, give him the freaking MVP. Who the hell cares if it's his eighth time, his first time, his 20th time? It doesn't matter. Rick, if you hey, had I to rank get all the chest, I'm ready to go now. I see it, man. No, hey, Rick, if you had to rank the top three players, Giannis and Bede or Joker, and maybe the guy in Dallas too, how would you rank the top three players in the NBA right now? I, 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 by position, I, I mean if the sent the big man. It's oh, it's you're not going to waver off that position. No, thing, are no, you? Well, you can't. I mean, again, I can't compare Steph Curry to the Joker. I can, can't. I can't compare Steph Curry to Embiid. I can't compare Steph Curry to to Jason Tatum or anybody else in the league. I can compare Steph Curry to CP3 or you know or you know or Harden or whoever another guard. You can have a really good discussion about that, but that's the only thing that makes sense. And then stop this comparison about guys that played in the 60s and the 70s to the guys that are playing in the 2020s. I mean, just go by decades. I mean, why do people want to do that? Because I can assure you, I can assure you, I will bet on my life, I would bet. I don't bet. I'm not a betting person. I bet my life that the players back in my day, if we were playing today, we would all be way better than we were back because we didn't have all of the and the sophistication that all of these players have. We did, We ate steak before a meal. We didn't know about carbo loads. We traveled commercially. We go to bed at 2 in the morning, get up at 5, 5.30 to catch a plane to fly to the next city to play the next night. These guys are on chartered flights getting good night's sleep. They've got dietitians. They've got strength coaches. They've got agility coaches. I mean, geez, I, I would love to be able to be playing today and having all of that available to me because – I would be, I'd be faster, stronger, quicker, more endurance, jump higher. It'd be crazy how much better I would be playing today. Rick, I'm going to throw a comment at you here, or maybe a question here at you here when it comes to LeBron. Do you agree or you, do you disagree that LeBron James left his best basketball with the Miami Heat? And I'm going to make this point here to you. It was the best coach he's ever had. It was the best organization he ever had. It was the most structured organization. And as you could see what Pat Riley has done, it's kind of a Jerry West, Jerry West is kind of thing where they're constantly retooling. They're getting role players in there. Pat would have put better role players around him. Instead of looking up at Jordan, I say he may have been even past Jordan because of the structure that he had in Miami but his ego couldn't take it. He didn't want to share, and he didn't want to be that guy. Do you think he left more championships in Miami? Uh, very possibly, yeah. I mean, there's no question about it. But he also was at a team when he first started out, and he left to try to get some championships that wasn't going to win because they didn't do the things you just mentioned. They didn't give him the supporting cast. What player doesn't win? I mean, it's it's about the team. It's about the collective. It's like the Borg. Okay, <laughs> if you're a yeah, but, but, but the culture in Miami, we're seeing it. 
I mean, this is the third, but this is going to be the third potential finals that they're in in four years. I mean, I have to think that that culture doesn't it. Don't you think that plays into it? I agree with you. Cleveland wasn't going to do shit the first time around for him. They got smart the second time around, but the first time around, I kind of get it like moving like that, but he left a culture that could have delivered more things that he wanted, which was to be a bigger champion than Jordan. Well, talk is cheap. Okay. <laughs> you know, anybody can talk about what they want to do, what their goals are in doing stuff. It's what they do that you evaluate. And he made the choices to do what he did. Okay. And you want to talk about leaving championships on the table. The number one at the top of the list is Shaq and Kobe. Well, well, let's not forget you too, Rick. I mean, so no, I'm no, thinking no, no. It's, Shaq, it's, Shaq and Kobe. it's Shaq and Kobe. It's Shaq and Kobe by no – I mean, there's no comparison. Shaq and Kobe not staying together. It would have been unbelievable how many championships they could win. And right there running a close 1B, that, that would be 1A. You know, if you get the racetrack, you got the 1A, the 1B entry. The 1B would be the Golden State Warriors if Kevin, you know, Kevin Durant decided to stay. No telling how many championships those guys would have won if they all stayed together. That was an incredible, incredible, totally defenseless team. You couldn't defend that team. There's no way. So, you know, I, I to me, I just I, – I never did understand. I never did get a full explanation or any time at all, Phil, why KD left. I don't know. I would have given up a whole bunch of my salary to be able to stay on a team with Steph Curry and Draymond Green and, and, and Clay Thompson. I mean, oh, my God. Gosh, I mean, it's not about you now, especially with the money. It's not about the money. Hell, I didn't. I never heard the word million dollars in my contract negotiations. The lowest paid guy in the NBA this year will make twice as much money as I the best year I ever had. He never plays. Okay, God bless him. I mean, you know, off good for them. But it would have been about the money because I would have been hell a ridiculous amount of money. But even then, back in those days when the money wasn't even there, I still would have wanted to be on a championship team. It's not like I was, you know, not get paid well. I mean, I want to win. That's what I play for. I play to win, not to make records. Hell, I did things in this league that I never knew about because now we're so statistically oriented. It seems like every other month I pick up the newspaper and my name's mentioned that somebody joined so-and-so having done this, that, and that. I had no idea I did those things. Zero. I, I, I see zero. that all the time as well. Tonight, game five, Rick, is this series over? Or do you think that this has a chance to get to a seventh game in Boston? Well, it's never happened before, but it has the chance. And this is a huge game, I think, for Miami because the way that Miami, the way that Boston was able to convincingly win on Miami's court, convincingly, it was a convincing victory. That's given them confidence. Uh, they know that they didn't play their best basketball. I mean, the, you know, Game Three was this was a disaster and embarrassment. And just think about it: if they find a way to win this game, Boston, I'm talking about. They now make it 3-2. Now you go back and you have to play down in Miami. So now all of a sudden it's on Miami. Miami's saying, shit, we got to win. Because if they don't win at home in game six, they have to go back and win in Boston again. How many times has a team won three road games? Three road games against an op opposing team. I don't know if it's ever happened in the history of the league, to be honest with you. I know that. I know that we were the only team, the first team in 75, to sweep a team and win the, the on their court two times. Uh, I think the Rockets did that when they swept Orlando uh, years ago. And that's the second time it only happened. It doesn't happen very frequently. Now you're talking about 
having to do it three times, three games in order to be the champions, right? Lose yep. two games on your yeah, home court. The Rockets team beat the Magic the first two games. Anderson missed those free throws in the right. second game too. And so yeah. uh, they went back after taking those opening two games. Yeah. So anything can happen in the world of sports and, and no, nothing when it comes statistically and stuff like that stays at zero. Okay. So it's never happened. There's always the first time it seems like, and this could conceivably be because I was honestly quite surprised of how Boston played and maybe they just felt overconfident, didn't give enough credit to Miami when they beat the 76ers in the manner in which they beat them. And the way they played in those first two games, I was shocked. And then I was just dumbfounded by how they played in game three. Oh, my heavens. So maybe they got themselves back together because we know what they're capable of doing. We saw it against the 76ers, what they're capable of doing. If they come up with a big win in the game tonight, Boy, I tell you, it changes the dynamic of things big time. So they only have to go and win another game down in the on the road, which means it's two games they have to win. But if Miami were to screw up and they lose this one, now if they don't win at home, they've got to win three games. So that's, again, this is interesting. This is what makes sports, I think, very exciting and interesting. So it's moving back and forth. And it's not pressure because I'll never use the word pressure. You know how I feel about trying. Pressure doesn't exist if you have confidence in your ability to do what you've trained to do. And I wish these announcers would stop talking. Oh, the pressure's really on. Well, maybe for you, the pressure's on doing the broadcast, but it wasn't for me as a player. And they use it all the time. And when I hear other players doing it, I said, wow, you played and you felt pressure playing basketball? Oh, I'm sorry for you. Sorry. I embraced it. I, I yeah, hey, I told you I could, I wish every game I played and came down to the last 10 seconds game on the line. Give me the ball. Hey, hey, Rick, man, I, I wanted to be the star in the game. I wasn't looking to hide in the game. And so that that leads me to something that Jason Tatum know a little bit. Did you ever get into a position, Rick, where you were embarrassed in a playoff game? And then all of a sudden, that just absolutely lit your ass on fire and you went on some sort of like Psychotic run. Did I ever have? Are you like, kidding me? I thought I game seven, Western Conference Finals, nineteen seventy-five. I was two for fourteen, and we're down double digits in game seven at home. Okay, back then the goat was the guy that screwed up. I was the goat. I had so when I went back in, Al took me out. I mean, I tell everybody Al Lattle's greatest Al coaching Lattle. in his career was taking me out of the game. What coach is going to take his star player out of the game midway through the third quarter at home in a game seven for the Western Conference Finals and keep me on the bench the entire rest of the quarter and into the fourth quarter? Into the fourth quarter. You know, I figured he's gonna put me in the end of the third quarter. He didn't. And so we put me back in. So my, my mindset was, okay, great. I'm having a bad game, but you know what? I got to I got to play through this. I mean, I have nowhere to go but up. I can't get any lower than where I am. I'm going to be I'm going to be the guy that cost us a freaking chance to go to the finals if I don't if we don't win this game. So I remember like it was yesterday. I remember, in fact, somebody just sent me and Bruce McGowan, who did a lot of broadcasts. We worked together at KMR yeah. doing stuff. And Bruce sent me the audio of Bill King's call of that game and listening to it, you know, and I came back in the game 
And I remember my first, I was open. I was like, you know, I don't know. I think he called it a little closer than it might've been, but I thought I was like 18 feet or so, 20 feet open right in front of our bench. I know on the North, the North, the Northwestern side of the arena, I know like it was yesterday. And I said, Hey, I took it, made it. Okay. And then I made another one. And we were down six when I came back in. My team did such a great job. That's why you win with teammates, right? We're down double digits. I need 12 or something. When I come back in, we're only down six, right? And so I, and I knock in a bunch of shots. Now, all of a sudden, next thing you know, we're tied. I think I went like five for seven or something. Went up for a jump shot on one pass like I always used to do and told my teammates, never turn your head when I go up for a jumper until you see it on its way to the basket. Because if you're near the basket and your teammate turns his head, it's going to come right by his ear and you're going to get a layup. And so George Johnson rolled in. I went up for the jumper, hit him. He got a big basket. And we wound up winning, and George was blocking everything. Clifford Ray was the biggest cheerleader. He was the starting center. George was blocking everybody's shot that came in. Our defense was unbelievable. It was just, you know, I just remember those kind of things. But that's that's what it's about, having confidence in yourself and believing in yourself. And I did. That's probably – and it reminded me of what Tatum did against, uh, yeah. you know, against the Sixers. He was having a miserable game as well. And then he went, you know, he went bananas. And that's – you have to believe in yourself. You really do. And, and you're not always going to be successful. And in that situation, it would have been something he would have had nightmares for the rest of his life, just like I have nightmares for the rest of my life on the pick and roll play with Nate Thurman and myself against Will Chamberlain and the 76ers when we played that, when the Philadelphia team, when we played them in uh, in game six at our place for the championships in 1967. I mean, I went up for the jump. I went came off. I was open. I was going to shoot. I saw Nate going. I went up, saw Nate going, started to throw the ball to him, and <sighs> Will Chamberlain took the largest step I've ever seen a human being take in my life, cut the passing angle off. I had a double clutch. I missed it. Big, big shot. We made hey, that. Hey, Rick, how good was that? How good was that 67 76ers team? I believe they well, won everybody 68. Talks about him. Everybody talks about them being one of the best teams in the history. They the won NBA. 68, right? 68 or yeah, 69 they were, games. they were a great team. I mean, yeah, Will Chamberlain had people don't even know. Luke Jackson, another big, big prototypical power forward. They had Billy Cunningham, Hall of Famer, playing the small forward spot. They had Hal Greer, top 50 player, as their point guard. And then also Larry Costello, a veteran player who was there. They had Wally Jones. They had, I mean, they that was, they had Chet Walker. I mean, this Chet is Walker a, was on that team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Chet Walker, Wally Jones, and Matty Gukas is on the team. Billy Melchioni, my good dear friend and teammate when I played with the, with the Nets in the ABA. That was a loaded team. They were really, really good. And if two pick and roll plays, one in Philly and one at our place, go our way, we could have possibly won in six games. We had a really good basketball team, and uh, you sure, so you I, sure I remember did. that. Like I thank God I can still remember it, but it is a memory <laughs> that I wish wasn't there. By the way, I saw that really cool picture of you and Barry Bonds at the yeah. golf event, man. I went to Barry at the at the Charles Schultz event I go to every year out in Sonoma Wine Country. Do a lot of great things for kids charities in that area, and. Uh, you know, stayed with my 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 good friend uh, Mark Enlow and uh, and running into Barry. I didn't expect him to be there. I hadn't seen him in uh, quite a while. And man, he's in super super great shape. Looks he, he, he's like a bike guy. And you know, hey, when I used to do afternoons or when oh when I did Sports Phone sixty eight, and I was on KMBR, so Bonds would come on and he'd do the show. And then I got that show on the on uh, the ticket ten fifty. And I called Bonds up once. I go, hey, I gotta get you on. He goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> hey, and I had him after his year when he set the record. He came on my show. I did a three-hour show once on KMBR Radio, right? Yeah, Rick Barry show. He By the way, a, you can that. It was very successful too. Three, three 
all three hours. He stayed on with me for three hours. Oh, that's we covered, fabulous. We covered so much stuff. I have it. I still have a, a, a cassette. I've ever, ever known this on a disc. And I had his wife on. And I want to say, look, I want to give you a chance to tell people about some of the stuff that you've been accused of, crazy stuff about when he went to check in the hotel. Uh, listeners we... know exactly what happened. Gave him a chance to do that. And, you know, Barry never denied that he had taken steroids, but he said initially he didn't know the guy. Here, if my trainer came to me, when I came to me, hey, this is true. During my career, they came to me, Rick, you need to take a shot. And I said, what's that? It's a B12 shot. Well, shit, he could have been giving me steroids. I wouldn't have known. What the hell? I'm not going to question whether or not he's giving me steroids or not. It's a B12 shot. Great. Give me the shot. And I would get shots and do stuff that they did for us. I didn't question it. And this was his personal friend doing stuff. If he didn't tell him what it was, how the hell does he really know? Now, the thing about it is he's a workout freak and doing stuff anyway. And, and you know, and obviously he took steroids. But, you know, initially when it happened, I don't think he initially knew or planned on doing it. So I don't know. That's, and bottom line, of this, I don't think I don't think he loved his, his godfather so much and respect for his dad as well. Willie Mays. And I and he was he was great as it was. Steroids didn't help him hit the ball further. Many home runs it didn't get better eye hand coordination. I mean, yeah, people took this to such an extreme. And here's the bullshit about it all. You know, the hypocrisy of it. The owners didn't give a shit. They were happy they were hitting home runs. You're damn right. It was turning to turnstiles. And, hey, the reason that – I've always said this, Rick. One of the reasons why baseball has a steroid policy, they don't want to pay shortstops and second basemen for hitting 52 home runs anymore. They'd rather pay for 25 home runs. And the salaries went through the roof. Rick, I do have to ask you this, though, before you go here. And I like Arthur's question here. J.J. Reddick says that Bird isn't a good three-point shooter compared to today's players. Okay. <laughs> okay, J.J. Reddick is going to go ahead and, 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 and analyze Larry Bird, one of the greatest players of all time. You know, people would argue maybe he's the greatest three. Certainly he's going to be in the conversation anytime you talk about that. Uh, I don't think JJ's on any list as far as the greatest shooting guards. Okay. Uh, and, and that's what JJ did and he did it well. And he should be going to church and lighting candles and thanking God that he had the career that he had. And he got $23 million to play one season. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry, you know, the, I mean, he should be thanking his lucky stars that he was able to have the career that he had. Um, and, you know, and, and he could shoot it, and he was smart and understood the game, and he knows the game. I mean, let's you know, face it. He knows the game. He's a smart guy. But, Rick, the com- but, but please, I think, please don't tell I me the think lefty. The thing is, he compared, thinks he was better than guys, How many guys? Five guys on your list that you might save shot a little bit better than him? I mean, Larry Bird was a great three-point shooter, okay? I don't know. I, what, what, is, what is this? I can't even pull it up. But I wish I knew. What were his what was his career stats for three-point shooting in the NBA? I don't know. Did you look it up? No, no, no. I I, I – I, I don't know, but I know he's on ESPN. And to me, the the insinuation is that I believe he thinks he's a better three point shooter. He than might, yeah, he may. Hey, no, he may have been if if open, but he's not going to get his own shot. <laughs> so, like, what in a game of horse? <laughs> you know, yeah, stand there and just shoot threes. You know, he probably may be, he might be able to beat beat Bird. He was a hell of a three point shooter at times. But no, I mean, why? That's why would we even bring that up and even make a statement like that? Seriously. And here we go again. Why are we comparing what Larry Bird did during his time to what? To the guys today. 
Okay. I mean, seriously. What, 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 it doesn't make any freaking sense. I mean, it, JJ, JJ Reddick was 37.6% career three point shooter. And what was Larry Bird? And then, yeah, guys, give me, and uh, Larry shot 40%. Okay. There you go. He wasn't a great three point shooter. He's a 40% three point shooter. How many guys in there? 40% is great three point shooting. And he was better than JJ in his career. And he made that statement. He should be ashamed of himself. Wow. <laughs> I mean, J.J. Reddick is taking shots. No, oh, you okay. no, 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 no. Oh. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Rick. I got it wrong. Larry was a 37% free throw shooter from three. Not free throw. Reddick was the 40%. So okay. his situation is that he's a better Redick perimeter is, shooter. I said, I said he might have been beaten him a little better, but Larry was a hell of 37.5 is a great three-point. That's great three-point shooting, Okay. I mean, 33 is 50%. I mean, how many guys are shooting 37.5, okay? But Rick, Seriously. why do you take a shot at Larry Bird? I don't understand that. Okay, so statistically, he was better than Larry Bird for 3.5. That's the only part of the game he was better than Larry Bird. <laughs> Maybe free throw shooting too, okay? Because uh, free throw shooting is whatever it is. But, you know, and, and that's, those are two statistics. But then again, a lot of time, Larry Bird had to take some really difficult shots at end the games trying to win games. I don't think J.J. was getting the ball in a situation when he was playing on a lot of teams that he was the guy they went to to take that tough three-point shot at the end of games. Come on, Rick. You would be this. If J.J. Redick was on your team, you'd be saying, do me a favor, go get me a cup of Gatorade. <laughs> no, no. Hey, J.J. Redick was a nice player. I mean, he, listen, he was a role player. And he played his role and did it well. Got $23 million for one season doing what he did. I mean, my God, when I saw that, I almost fell off the, you know, I was 30, 23 million. Okay. So, okay. So, JJ, I like to go. Let's evaluate the rest of your game, JJ, with Larry Bird. Okay. And, and well, evaluate it with any two guard. You know, let's see where it fits. Jesus Christ. Hey, Rick, what are you doing, man? What, I, like, I like the stuff he said. He does know the game. What I love about him is he actually stands up, Simon, and challenges Stephen A. Smith. Yes. Yeah, but, he, but then he turns around and says that the point guard for the Celtics uh, played with plumbers. What? Yeah, he said Kuzi you know, uh, played back in the day with plumbers. And <laughs> that's what he said. He goes, you know, he they, those guys back in like the early, early 60s. 60s, played 50s, 60s. Listen, he was ahead of his time, Bob Kuzi, the way he handled the ball and could pass it and see the court. And he was, you know, some of the greatest teams, the greatest dynasty in the history of the sport. What the hell is he doing taking shots at guys like that? Just freaking mind your own business. Just be thanking God that you're a multimillionaire, a multimillionaire, and, and you were basically a role player. And an excellent, hey, excellent three-point shooter. I'll give him that. <laughs> Yeah, and, and free throw shooter. I'm sure he had a high free throw shooting percentage as well, and I respect that for any player. What, 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 what was your free throw percentage? Well, it was 90 for my career, but the thing is, my last six years I was over 92. My last two years I was over 94. percent So wait a minute, you had a 92 percent free throw shooting. For my last six from, years after I changed my strike, and you shot, and your average is 25 points a night, right? Yeah, well, my average. You know, here's the thing: I played and was willing to be a, a role player. On, my, on the Rockets team, and I averaged 12 or 13 points a game, which took my stats and skewed them big time. But I played one game when I played two guard when Calvin Murphy was sick in the two years I was with Houston, right? I took 25 shots, the most I ever took in any game, at 37 points. 
Hey, Rick, what's the most you ever scored in a game? 64. <laughs> what's the most you ever scored in a playoff game? I don't know, but the only thing I do know is that my playoff average was better than my regular season average. And I think that's it. That's, you want to look at guys' stuff. Look at what guys did in the playoffs as opposed to what they did in the regular season. Because it's much more difficult because of the officiating and the, the physicality they allow to take place. Uh, yeah. And so when you won the NBA guys, championship, look, didn't you score 30? I thought you averaged 30 in that series. In which one? In the, in the finals, you won. It doesn't matter. I don't care. You know what it is? We won. That's all really matters. I won't care if I freaking got 10 points. If I only got 10 points and we won, I'd be happy with that, okay? I'd, I'd be kicking myself in the ass, but I'd be happy that we won, okay? I would rather I would rather win and have a lousy game than have a great game and lose. In fact, people ask me about my 64. I said, I don't remember if I did we win. I said, damn it. If, you know, and I found out we did win the game. Thank God for that because it would have been heartbreaking for me if I so wait, I just was informed that Rick Barry averaged 40 points in the playoffs in the ABA. Well, I, I but I also I also during yeah. for a six game series, I had the record for for finals average until Michael broke it in a six game series. And the only reason he broke my record. No, but the, no, he averaged forty points something oh, okay. in for a six-game series in the finals. I think I had the record for decades and decades. He broke it, but the only reason he broke it, he played one overtime game and scored eight points in that overtime. If it weren't for that, he'd still be second. Man, you and Dr. J and all them great players in the ABA, Rick. I mean, when I grew up in New England, Rick, I didn't watch the Knicks. I didn't watch. I watched. I watched the Colonels. I watched the Nets. Dude, I wa I watched the Squires. I watched all the Nuggets, hey, the Spurs. All the I got to get into a discussion. I got into a big discussion with Marvin Albert when he was doing his radio show back then in New York, and you know, when I was ABA, telling me that the you know not very good. I said, "What the hell are you? You're going to tell me that we don't have really great players in our league?" I said, "What the hell do you know about that?" I got into a big thing about it. I said, we have a lot of great players. We might not have as many great teams, but we have a lot of great players. And I think the first year that the ABA got in, went into Didn't the Malone NBA. Didn't Malone play in the ABA too? Who? Moses, Moses played in the ABA. He started there. Yeah, Moses started there. But the thing is, if you look, if you look at the All-Star game, when it was a game <laughs> and it meant something, that, that first year when they brought the ABA teams in, that a very significant number of the all-star players were ABA guys. Yeah. So I rest my case right there for sure. And here's Absolutely. the thing. If, if, if to JJ Reddick say, JJ, I respect your three-point shooting, your free throw shooting and stuff. You say a lot of good things on the year, but come on, for smart, intelligent guy, what the hell are you doing taking a shot at Larry Bird? <laughs> hey, Rick, tell the folks what you got going on. I want them to make sure they go over to Rick. Yeah, well, I'm into a number of things. I, I try to take care of myself. I, hell, I can't even believe the next year I'll be 80 years old, but I feel like I'm in my 50s. But I take care of myself, and I use stuff. I, I use cannabinoid products, and there's two products there, allomd.com, allomd.com, and medicileaf.com, M-E-D-I-C-I-L-E-A-F.com. And then for my knees when I play pickleball, I got an arthritic knee that's ridiculous. Go Sleeves. Go sleeves, G-O-S-L-E-E-V-E-S.com. And there's a code. My initials, RB, and the number 24, RB24. On all of those three sites, check them out. See all of the amazing, amazing testimonials we get and how good the products are. I use them all the time. And you put that code in, you'll get a significant discount. And I just hope that they work for you as well as they work for me. I got another thing I'm working on, too, that's doing 60% 
percent men snore and 45 percent of women i'm with a company now we have an incredible it's an incredible product 91 percent effectiveness fda has checked the thing out of helping to stop snoring and i I'm, I'm really getting all over this one and trying to get that out there because that's a problem for people for relationships and other things so that's it's it's really cool we'll catch but I'll, I'll, go back, I'll go back and get a website for that sometime but yeah the snoring thing is I, although for my wife i love to sleep on my side and i'm pretty good now about not snoring so much but if I'm on my back, I do snore, so it's a good thing to check out. Anyway, hey, all the Rick, best. We got to throw this out there before we go. Oh, yeah, we got to go. Throw it out before you. we go. Oh, yeah, I tell you what, I was a little disappointed. They did such a great job in the NCAA tournament this year, but they just got a little flat there in that the last game to get eliminated. But Jimmy Laranega did a great job with that team, and uh, hopefully they'll continue to have the success that uh, Jim's brought to them. Absolutely. Rick, we'll catch up with you real soon. Thank you so much, my friend. Always a pleasure. Take care. You got it. Our dear friend, Rick Barry. Don't forget, you can go over to his Twitter page and see all the things that he's involved in at Rick 24 Barry. Go over there. Please hit the like button. We're going to reset. Keep it here on the national football show. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online.
E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Our two big sills. Always fun catching up with Rick Barry. We appreciate him stepping in with us. Talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs as we get closer to the finals. He has always been my NBA expert. By the way, resetting back to what we were talking about prior to um, Rick coming on. Come on, man. Where do you really rank Devontae Smith in the NFL when it comes to his placing as a wide receiver in the NFL? Where, where, Where do you put him? I look, I said this. I think he's got Marvin Harrison ability. I think he has the opportunity to have that kind of career. Marvin Harrison had a great career. Now, he had one of the greatest signal callers of all time. He doesn't have that. Now, we're going we're gonna to ask a question here in a second that maybe could help those numbers. He's not, Yale. Yale says that Devontae Smith is top 10. Well, let, again, I want to reset this. If you were the – here, and this is how you – who would you draft? Devontae Adams or Devontae Smith? Devontae Adams. Who would you draft? Justin Jefferson or Devontae Smith? Who would you draft? Tyreek Hill or Devontae Smith? Who would you draft? Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith? Who would you draft? A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith? Who would you draft? Stefan Diggs, Devontae Smith. Who would you draft? Cooper Cup, A.J. or Devontae Smith. Who would you draft? Debo Samuel, Devontae Smith. Who would you draft? Mike Evans, who's had a thousand yards every year he's played in the league, or Devontae Smith? I just named you 10 guys. And I could throw these other three at you Hopkins, Metcalf, and Waddle. Come on, man. The conversation is who's the better wide receiver at 14 and 15? CD Lamb or Devontae? I don't. Hey, by the way, do you really think it's do you really think it's a slam that he's the 14th best wide receiver in the NFL in a pass happy league that's got a ton of great players? Waddle isn't much better, if at all. Well, his numbers, well, according to you there, Tone, his numbers do. This guy's got 2,400 yards um, in 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 uh, two years. Only thing he's done, he's he had a better catch year. This year, um, but the yardage year this year, he had 1,300 some yards and he was the second option. He was also the second option in Miami and Tua didn't play the entire year. Can you imagine if that guy had Jalen Hurts thrown in the ball? He may have had 2,000 yards. How about if somebody, a, a, a decent quarterback that could stay upright was throwing Jalen Waddle the ball? He might have 125 catches this year. Do you know he was actually playing with backup guys half the season, Jalen Waddle? Those numbers aren't drastically. Oh, the quarterbacking is. 
The quarterback is. He was never there consistently. AJ had 1,300 yards. I'm talking Devontae. He had almost he had like 1300 yards as the two guy. Come on, man. Come on, man. And by the way, every time Jalen Waddle's been on the field healthy, he's never been. Devontae Smith was never the number one option over him, even at Bama. Okay? Even at Bama. Dude, who would you draft? Waddle or Smith? I'm taking Waddle. Who are you drafting? DK Metcalf. Or Devontae Smith? Who? Come on. Who you really? So you 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 might you you might draft Devontae Smith, maybe because he's 31 over Hopkins. But Hopkins was on pace to have a better year than come on, man. Man, that's some of that eagle love. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he's not a top 10 wide receiver. He's not a top 10. I uh, you like blueberry like strawberry. They aren't that different from one another. They were at Alabama too. Waddle was the number one guy before he got hurt in the Tennessee game. Come on, man. I believe the dude was even drafted higher. Come on, man. Yeah, that's it. I'll take I'll take Devontae over Debo. Well, tell him to stay out of the thing. <laughs> Holy shit, you eagle guys, man. Holy cow, chills. This guy's top five. I don't give a shit about Justin Jefferson. I'll take him over Jefferson. Loyal to the soil, like you say, homeboy. <laughs> well, let me here. Let's do something here and kind of tie it into Philadelphia and tie it into Jalen Hurts. Okay. So I guess that OTA is either yesterday or today. Lamar Jackson said that you're going to see more offense and you're going to see more pass offense this coming season in Baltimore. Okay. But to your point, Smith is a top 15 for sure, not top 10. Hey, he's top 15. Would I take, you know, I never answered the question. Would I take him over CeeDee Lamb? Excuse me. Would I take him over C.D. Lamb? Would you take him over C.D.? Hey, for the record, I love his attitude. I don't. I, that guy doesn't come off like a shit-talking diva wide receiver to me. Okay? I, it's a confident comment. I mean, look... How do you not fall in love with a guy like Devontae Smith when he was at Alabama and that entire community, okay, was behind him, loved him, the way they were cheering for him? He, he He's a guy you root for. I love the kid. I really do. So don't – I don't want anybody to get the notion that no, – he, he he's one of my favorite players on that team. And by the way, when I first initially came to Jacob, I thought they drafted the wrong guy because – I didn't know how they were going to implement him in the offense. And Jalen's just gotten better. Okay? Be careful how you answer this one, Sills. 
You've been saying Smith was better than CD all year. Oh, so Tone's holding my feet to the fire on this one. Oh, hey, be looking for a new post. <laughs> be looking for a new post. Okay, be looking for a new post here coming up. <laughs> I think he's better. I, I think he's better. Because when called upon, he's there. C.B. Lamb, when called upon, I don't know, man. I, I don't think that guy's consistent. Like, when you think of the greatest wide receivers in Cowboy history, does he come to your mind? Is he Des Bryant? Like, right? Is he Michael Irvin? I don't know. I don't see those guys. When I see CeeDee Lamb and I see guys who wore 88, do I see Drew Pearson and them guys that wore that 88? I don't, I don't think so. I don't see that. Now, when I see Devontae, I see consistency, route running, a desire to be great, great attitude, works with his team, never complains if he doesn't get. Here, here's the cool thing about him. That goose egg game didn't say a word. Can you imagine if one of these guys in this top 10 list here got a goose egg game because their quarterback didn't target him? And can you imagine one of these guys, what they would do? Shit, you got right now Devontae Adams crying about the Raiders in May. <laughs> right? All right, let's do this here. Let me ask you something. And I'm going to take something that I heard from the Baltimore camp yesterday or today. Do you think the Eagles are going to be more of a passing team this year or more of a running team? Or kind of where they were a year ago, same kind of balance. If you were going to look at what this team is trying to get into being, Are we going to be expecting more passing yards this year than, than being balanced? Be careful how you answer this because <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. Okay? We're not changing the formula. Really, why would Baltimore? Because they want to keep the guy healthy. Okay? Let's let's rationalize rationalize this thing out. Baltimore wants to throw more. You know why? They're trying to keep that guy upright. In Baltimore's opinion, this is why they're loading up on offensive talent. In my opinion, I think they'd rather lose a game throwing the ball than losing the quarterback in a particular game running the ball. Does that make sense? Especially when you pay the guy $52 million a year. $51 million. They'd rather lose the game with him throwing a pick than losing him. Okay, does that make sense? So will the Eagles apply that to Jalen Hurts? Guy makes $50 million a year now. Would the Eagles rather lose a game, throwing the ball and more? So are we expecting more passing attempts this year? I think we will, especially with what the committee of running backs that you have and – the limited action that many of those guys seemingly can't put on the field or on tape because they're always hurt. I think the Eagles are going to be more of a passing team this year. I'm not saying they're not going to get into being a balanced team, but I think that's going to lean 
if it's me, I think that leans more towards passing. You know what, too? Think about this, everyone. Tone, everyone. Actually, it's a great way to save Jalen. One, two, three, throw. Throws a pick. Lose a game. Dude, Brady's lost games. He's had pick six. The great quarterbacks. You're not paying that guy $50 million to get hurt. You're paying that guy because he does special things running the ball and passing the ball. And they're going to pick their spots, I think, more running the ball this year than they have in the past. And I think they're going to – I'm not saying that they're going to try to pull back on Jalen Hurts. That's not what I'm saying. Because the one thing I don't – boy, this – you know what? This this goes back into the conversation here with Brian Johnson. You know, the coordinator that has the most pressure on him, Desai's got to come up with a scheme, right? Johnson's got to come up along with Sirianni, a way of utilizing all the skills that Hurts has but in the same light, protecting the quarterback to make sure he can play those 17 games. How do you do that? You throw the ball more. Okay? You throw the ball more. 32 total total TDs last year for Hertz. I don't give a shit what that means. Great. So he's on pace to be Cam Newton. You want Jalen Hurts at the back end of your contract to look like Cam? Baltimore doesn't. I believe that's why they're going to throw the ball more. Jalen Hurts will never play 10 years, current pace he's playing. He's not going to. Now, I think he's got the best chance, even including Josh Allen. I think he's got the better chance because he's smarter. He gets down, he gets it, he slides, sees the game. I think Hertz thinks that he's more deadly in open space like Rodgers is. But the one thing that you don't want to see Aaron Rodgers, you don't like to see Rodgers in a rollout. Why? Because he is a gifted scrambler. Aaron Rodgers is a gifted scrambler. He is. He's a gifted scrambler. Eagles supposedly interested in Julio Jones as Wide receiver four. Jamison, I would say this. Ankle issues the last three years. 12 games. Then again, you're not asking him for a bunch of... You're not asking him for a bunch of catches. You're not looking for 100 catch seasons any longer out of him. You're looking at productivity. And one thing I'll tell you that Julio Jones still does that he's great at, he's great in a run game. He's absolutely great in the run game. Okay, you know, you know, I said this before, Yale. Jalen is 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 trending towards being something like a Russell Wilson, and I never thought he would ever trend that way. I really, I never thought he'd trend there. Okay, but he is. Um, Djax over Julio in my book. Djax a great player. Cam Newton won an MVP and went 15-1, and lost the Super Bowl. Newton still better as of now. Yes, of course. Cam Newton, as of now, has had a superior career. And all the way up, if you want to go to the first couple years in Cam Newton's career, Jalen's done nothing close to that. He was a better passer. He was more physical. He was intimidating. 
it was a tough play to play against him. Wasn't as his accuracy and his completion percentage wasn't very high, which always hurt him. But he was a phenomenal football player. Phenomenal, and put a lot of years together too. Um, he yeah. I mean, if you look at the first couple of years that Cam was in the league compared to Jalen, not close. I mean, he was just a better football player, just a better player. But Jalen's getting better, okay? I would say this to you right now, when you're looking at dual threat, when I'm not comparing the 11th year career, I'm comparing the first couple of years all the way up to where Jalen is right now. And Cam Newton, first couple of years in the league, he was really great. I would say this, um, Vic and um, Michael Vick and Cam probably better, but that's a, those are those are great dual threat guys. Snow shade, okay. Hey, and look at hey Tongos. He was the number one overall pick. Okay, your boy's making fifty five million dollars. <laughs> All right. Okay, so you're telling me he's overachieved. All right. Well, let me put it to you this way. Do you know how many Heisman Trophy winners have won the most valuable player award that played quarterback in college and in the NFL? Can you name them? Can you name the Heisman Trophy MVPs of the NFL? Quarterbacks. Only quarterbacks. Can you name them? Can you name them? Name, name me a quarterback that won the Heisman Trophy that was an MVP winner in the NFL. Quarterback. 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 Lamar Jackson. Hey, he totally has. So is Dak. So is Tony Romo. Undrafted. Here they are. Jim Plunkett never won an MVP award regular season. Not Super Bowl MVP. Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, and Roger Staubach are the only quarterbacks to win the Heisman and the MVP in the National Football League. There's only three that have ever done that. Not that easy. So, Cam was a great ball player. Lamar won the Heisman. Lamar won the Heisman Trophy at Louisville. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the 32nd pick in the draft, that was Ozzie Newsom's last pick. There's only three quarterbacks in NFL history that won the Heisman and then turned around and won the regular season MVP. Cam, Staubach, and Lamar. Three. That's it. Since 1936. That's a pretty big statement. Shows you how those quarterbacks, it's a quarterback. How can that trophy be a quarterback trophy when everyone sucks? <laughs> right? I mean, Stallback and Cam and Lamar are the three guys, right? Hurts' ceiling is unknown. Yeah, of course it is. It's only had one year. Of course. He's only had one year. 
Got to put them years together. How did Lamar fall to 30? Because they thought he couldn't throw the ball like Jalen. Do you know how much more? Think about that. Dual threat quarterbacks can't throw the ball. That's what they thought. Yale. That's why he went. I think he was the last player taken in the that respected draft that, that year by Baltimore. And shit, was that the Baker Mayfield year? That was that the was that the um Baker Mayfield. I think that was the Baker Mayfield year that um that he was the final get this, the top pick in the draft is now on his third team. And the last player, the last quarterback taken in that draft has a unanimous MVP award. Yeah, dual threat, man. They didn't think Lamar could throw the ball. Thought he'd have to play another position. Public opinion destroys athletes every day. Eh, Trey sometimes. If you're smart, you look here. Trey, watch this. So here, here, last year, Trey, let me ask you a question, Trey. What was your opinion on Jalen Hurts last year on May 25th? Let's see if you revise history. Hey, what was your opinion on tone? Put it in the box. What was your history on what? What did you think of Jalen Hurts on May twenty fifth? What did you think of him a year ago on May twenty fifth? I'll tell you what I thought of him. Uncertainty here. I think the Eagles thought the same thing I did. Not sure if he's the guy. Not sure if he's going to be accurate. He's not the most accurate guy. They got two first-round draft choices to go into this previous April draft. My opinion on Jalen Hurts this time last year was a guy who still has to prove to me he was the long-term answer. I, I think the Eagles had the same one. I think the Eagles had the same opinion. Yale goes praying he would make the big step. You're damn right they were praying. That's why they got two picks in the first round for this past April draft. You're, they were praying. They didn't even know. But you listen to certain people. Oh, yeah, this guy here, I knew he didn't. No, you didn't. He was never drafted in Philadelphia to be the starter, ever. He was never drafted for that. As a matter of fact, your history of quarterbacks, if you go back since 2000, and Howie's great selections, and Joe Banners, they sucked. You had Foles in there and Wentz. And then a bunch of whomevers. Okay? <laughs> and a bunch of whomevers. I think you drafted nine quarterbacks since 2000. You should see that shit list of quarterbacks. Steve. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. 
the meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Was drafted. Wasn't like you guys were nailing QBs, and you gave Wentz a ton of dough. Hey, by the way, are you ready for this one? Here's the new conversation. Carson Wentz to Green Bay. It's picking steam up. We're going to get to a new topic here. Won the Super Bowl with those two. I got it. (laughs) God, making sure. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we love. Hey, wait a minute. I'm not okay. I'm just saying. You had nine quarterbacks, and they're all almost all turds. It's okay. I get it. I get it. You have a lot of winning. Second best record since 2000. I get the whole thing, man. All right. I got a topic with Howie Roseman here. Indulge me here. Does Howie Roseman, you keep Eagle fans on us, Sills, and they'll do the same to us. <laughs> you said CD. Sills, here, here's tone today. Sills, come on now. You said Devontae's better than CD. I did. Sills, Sills, don't go. You can't go back on. <laughs> Wait. I'll put a post up on you. Don't let me put a post up on your ass. Silly old flops and says that CD's better. <laughs> nice you can't leave. Sills. Oh, my God. This is such a great comment from Tone. Hey, Sills. Okay, now you're in here a little bit. You still got a little ways to go because you'll still take a shit on Jalen every now. And you'll still, you, hey, and you'll throw, you'll throw a stone at one of my favorite media guys and mispronunciate his name or have a hyphen in the wrong place, be called the bad guy, whatever, you know. So, but you're kind of in, okay? You're kind of in. Just don't, don't, don't let me, you know. Now you can't leave, silly so, old. Now you can't leave. All right, all right, I get it, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Devontae Smith Sports Scene, search it on YouTube. Thank me later. Hey, he's a top 15 wide receiver with an opportunity, with an opportunity to keep moving up into the top 10. And by the way, CD Lamb is gonna make $25 million being like the 15th best wide receiver in the league. It's no shame, dude. Okay? Jubba goes, Sills, where's the cowboy helmet? Well, it ain't nowhere near where we are. <laughs> I can't have the bad juju. I can't, ha- I can't have the bad juju. My screen went out. Something happened. It was really weird, man. I put the cowboy helmet where my buck helmet is. And I, I hung it there, and all of a sudden, man, my screen went shitty, and everything started going sideways. And Xander's like, dog, you can't. And then Xander, Xander's never said anything. Tone, you'll love this. 
Xander's never said anything. He goes, Sales, that you cannot hang that hat. <laughs> he goes, you cannot have that helmet in the background. You cannot. And I'm like, yeah, but the Cowboys and even Steven signed. He goes, dude, I don't give a shit. If Jesus signed it, you can't have it. <laughs> oh, man. Right? Okay. Here is the next topic. Does the general manager of the Eagles have to make one more move to make the Eagles the number one Super Bowl favorite? Do you think Howie Roseman has to make one more significant move to make the Eagles the favorite? By the way, they are a contender. But the favorites, in my opinion, Chiefs, Bengals. I'm not saying this is in order. I think the Eagles are second. But here, 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 here's, here's my small group of teams that I think could win the Super Bowl. Chiefs. I'm going to write this down because I don't want to lose my train of thought on this. Bengals, Bills, this is not in order. Eagles, 49ers, Cowboys, Would I add another AFC team? Bills, Bengals, Chiefs. Bengals, Bills, Eagles, 49ers, Cowboys, Chiefs. Anyone else? Chargers? Jets? Jags? Jags are good, man. I'm talking any team. I got how many teams? Three. I got six teams here. I think these are six legitimate teams that could potentially win the Super Bowl this year. Bengals, Bills, Eagles, 49ers, Cowboys, Chiefs. Anyone else? Jets and Jags? My, man, there's so much newness to that Jets. The Jags? Jags have a good roster, man. Trevor Lawrence, though, really? In his third year, going to take that team to a Super Bowl? I'm talking about teams you would put in that bubbles. C.J. Mosley to the Eagles would make them the favorites. Miguel, I love that. You know I love that player. Um... And may, how about this? We leave those six with Jags and maybe the Jets on the outside, okay? Of that group of six, let me rank them. Chiefs, one. Eagles, two. Bengals, three. 49ers, four. Bills, five. Cowboys, six. 
So here would be my six favorites right now to go to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. Chiefs, Eagles, Bengals, 49ers, Bills at five, Cowboys at six. Does Howie need to make a move to be the preeminent favorite for the Super Bowl? Super Bowl 59? Super Bowl 59. Yeah, you, you, you Eagle guys keep doing this. Fragile Purdy. Has it mattered? Who's played quarterback and say, you guys keep talking like the quarterback position has stopped the 49ers. It hasn't. It stopped them from winning the Super Bowl. They get to the NFC Championship game three of the last four years. You need to cut that shit out about them. Hey, I give them a ton of shit because they're moaning and crying. But at the end of the day, dude, they get to the NFC title game. And in theory, the last four years, they've been more successful than the Eagles. So I'd be careful what I'm saying. I mean, they have been. You've had a four-win season in the last four years. They haven't. Okay? And choke. Okay. That's not the point. They still get to the title game with the shitty quarterback. Can you imagine if they figure it out? They'll win it. Expand that to the last six years. Do it. (laughs) The 49ers, the last four years, though, have been more successful than the Eagles. Okay? I mean, and quite frankly, they've been to more NFC title games. I get it. It's Tone's comment about putting your name on the test. That's not the debate. But you make it sound like they flounder. They don't. Shit, they had three different quarterbacks and won 12 games in a row last year with three different guys. <laughs> I mean, you make it sound like they're not winning. They are winning. It's, again, that, that's not where I'm at here, and that's not where I'm at. The, the comment I made, Does Howie need to make another significant move? A trade? A find? What's more likely you think Howie as we, dude, let's, let's, let's go his history too. And this is a really cool part of the history of Howie. Dude, he didn't find Gardner Johnson until nine days to the start of the season. And that guy, that guy played pro bowl ball. I mean, he was a great football player last year. And they found that guy somewhere deep on the depth chart in New Orleans. Or I should say not deep on the depth chart, but deep in the payroll. I mean, he made nothing. Dude, that guy was like a nothing burger when it came to money a year ago. It was, to me, I think it was a better find than trading for Darius Slay. Slay's been a hell of a player for the Eagles, but you find a guy making 800 grand he's making 800. He's making 8 million bucks now with incentives. That was some find. Seriously. That was some find. Cause it was nine days before the season. 
how he went there and made a deal with Mickey Loomis and Loomis sent him there. You're like, not only did he get a, I don't know how Mickey Loomis keeps answering that phone call from Howie. They must have a really great relationship. That's good to have. Because you know why? Mickey Loomis is a hell of a general manager. You know, he's been to Super Bowls too. He's won them. Remember, Mickey Loomis is the guy that made the, he said, let's, let's sign Breeze. It was him. Along with Sean Payton. Now, they had to because Dante Culpepper went to Miami but there was a big thing whether or not to sign the guy because Dr. Andrews said that this guy may never throw the ball right ever again. And Loomis signed him. Mickey Loomis is a good general manager. And I love how Howie hangs around the right guys. Look at the moves he makes. Howie's not just going to sign a guy. Like, who? Didn't they just sign a defensive tackle? Michael, thank you, brother. Didn't they just sign that defensive tackle from New Orleans? Okay, and put him on the team. How he does need to make a move, and it has to be on defense. <clears throat> has to be on defense. Hmm. What position? Linebacker or safety? Yeah, Street. I think Street. Hey, Tony, I think Street's going to be an impact player. Linebacker, a position they don't value. Where are you going to get a linebacker where the general manager doesn't want – the general manager will never give up a third-round draft choice for anybody. So, to me, this is how I think it's going to play out. They'll maybe send a draft choice for a safety, free or strong – but they're going to wait and see what the cut wire looks like June 1 here in two weeks and see who gets whacked. And then they'll swoop in. I think that kid Mosley has a good chance of being cut. They'll probably try to restructure. Okay, but he's got a gigantic number. Hey, the kid in Tampa wants $20 million. Personally, if you put Devin White on the open market, would he get $20 million? I never thought Roquan Smith would get $20 million, and he did. And is Devin White as good as Roquan? I don't think he is. I think the two guys, the guy in San Francisco, Warner, and the guy in Baltimore, I think those are your two best interior defensive linebackers. And you heard Seth Joyner yesterday. That, dude, you guys only have four linebackers on your team. I mean, right now, if you went to camp, you don't have a linebacking core. And that affects your special teams. Because what are your special teams majority made of on your kickoff team and your kickoff return? Linebackers, safeties, corners, running backs, tight ends, maybe. Like, you have no special teams unit right now. You, you, you will get beat massively. And here's what – here, let me let me throw this at you here. Do you think the depth on this team is better than it was a year ago? I don't. I don't. Why? Because you're now calling guys up that were your depth to be your starters. Where's your depth? 
And if you don't have depth on your team, you don't have special teams now because they're taking them from those teams. So you're going to play your line. So what, Nicobe Dean's going to be on a kickoff team, kickoff return, and he's going to play 65 plays? That's not going to work. Okay? So for me, I'm going to wait for the cuts. I'm going to wait for the cuts for linebacker. I might make a trade for safety. Depending how Brown looks, who are the safeties right now going to camp? Give me the list of the safeties going to camp. Give me the list of the safeties. And what do you do with Maddox? Do you drop him over to strong safety? Do do, do you play him over there? Different skill set. I think you got to kind of try to get that guy on the field. Like, what do you do with him? Where's he playing the scheme? Terrell Edmonds, Sidney Brown, Reed Blankenship, everyone else is just a body. Edmonds knows the position. It's good to have a veteran there. He can help. And by the way, if I'm Sean Desai, I tell I tell Sidney Brown, hey kid, let me let me let me help you out here. You are to follow Terrell Edmonds and Reed Blankenship everywhere. If he's got to go take a number two, you go with him. If he goes get if he go gets a sandwich, you go with him. If he's working out, you work out with him. You do everything that guy does. And then in the film study, you watch what he's looking for and copy it. That'll help you at least get prepared on what to look for on film. Do you guys understand there's a two-part process in this? And you guys just think Sidney Brown's going to just drop in to a safety position and play it? You're out of your tree. That's a complex position. Just like some of you guys think that the Kobe Dean is going to just all of a sudden parachute in. And because he's been on a chalkboard, you think he's going to know exactly how to set fronts, what he's looking for, disguises, quarterbacks, what they're reading, moving the stunt, sliding the defensive front. You think he knows all that? Absolutely not. Why? He knows He knows about it because he read a book. That's like telling me I can read a doctor's manual or a PDR, and I know what every medicine means and what it does for somebody because I gave him a pill. That doesn't necessarily mean you know how the operation goes. You got to experience this shit. And, and Yale goes, it helps. That's the first stage of this. That's why you have OTAs. OTAs is not about finding out who can play. OTAs is finding out. What do you think OTAs are for? Do you guys know what OTAs are? Okay, do you know what OTAs are for? OTAs and minicamps. You guys know what these, do you know what they're for? Do you have any clue? It's not to find out who could play because you're in helmets and shorts. Pre-snap assignments. Scheme is barely in right now. Probably true. 
Okay? Probably true. Team by team? I, 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 I was on three NFL teams. Pretty much the same when it comes to their mini and training camps and OTAs. Here's what I would say to you. This is what they do. They'll go like this. You'll come in your 8 o'clock meeting in the morning. And they'll go like this. And there'll be a book. This is what we're going over today. And you'll be in that first group meeting, your defensive meeting. Then you'll break it down. And you'll go to your D-line meeting. And in that D-line meeting, they're going to go like this. Okay, today... We're going to work on base G defense, and we're going to work on 34, 52, uh, 38. Also, we're going to be working on banjo cover, cover two. We're going to be work on the Tampa two. We want to do a little version of the Tampa two coming out of a 34. And when they say all these things, you have to look at what they're going over on their hit sheet for the day. It'll go by period. And you not only have to know what they're doing, but you got to remember, you have to know what technique to play when they're going over 43, 34, 52, 46, cover two, Tampa two. You've, you've got to know when they say um, Tampa two slide left, once you're on the left hash mark, you got to know to be in a three or the four and a five technique. So what they'll do is they'll overload you on information. They overload you. And what they find out is the players that retain the most information, those are the ones that are going to be ahead of the game. Like, if, if you get a guy and he just goes through it and he knows exactly and he knows how to read, that's why it's important to tie yourself to an Edmonds, to tie yourself to a guy like Slay, because – you're watching what they're doing and how how they're preparing and what they're looking at, and you can ask questions. What's the technique here when he's asking me to go to um, uh, shell two? What's what's that mean? Does he want me to get depth or does he want me to stay on the hash? What, what what's he looking for there? Those are all subtle things that a guy like Peyton Manning, if you don't know what the hell you're doing, he'll throw the ball right there, touchdown, seventy five yards. All of that, you're, that's day one. Then what they'll do is, day two, they'll give you a brand new script sheet on what they're doing. Then you have to know yesterday's and today's, and that's why you hear coaches going, he's behind a little bit because he can't absorb the information and the intel. Hey, retaining the information I can't tell you how many times myself or watching guys next to me, what technique is that? Is that a three or two? Is that a one snap blocked? That's why teams attack inexperienced. Teams don't attack the guy who they think is the lesser talent. They attack guys on the defense who they think they don't know where they're lining up and what their responsibilities are. It's different in the NFL. If you go with the notion, well, I'm going to go after the lesser guy, you're going to get your ass handed to you. You go after the guy who you think has the less knowledge of the intel of the defense that's being asked. That's who you go after. 
And with all the holes that the Eagles have, you have no linebackers, brand new safety core. It's not that you don't have talent with Sidney Brown, who you drafted, the kid Ringo back there now. Um, Dean, you guys are so – that's not the case. It's Do they know what's being asked of them? Well, you did this. At, I don't give a shit about Georgia. Bro, you could have 58 missteps, and you could have false steps all over the rear end when you're playing against Vanderbilt. When you have a misstep against the Washington Commanders, you get your ass driven into the ground. Everybody in that league's great. And I, I, I tell people this, and they, they don't really understand how close the talent is. There's probably 25 plays in a game that separates a 6-10 and 10 team or now a 7-10 and 10 team versus a team that's 10-7. and seven. There's about 25 plays a game that separates that. That's how close it is. In college, you kill people. Okay? And again, we'll find out. We'll know. That's why it's important to have all your young guys in your mini camp with your veteran guys. That's a cool thing that the Eagles have. Jalen's there. The new players are there. Shit, you see Lamar Jackson showing up a little late. Um, Rodgers is a little nicked. That hurts. Especially with a new quarterback, new faces, new terminology. Nathaniel Hackett is in the Jets. You want to know why the Jets? The Jets are a Broadway play right now. The Eagles are a football team. There's a difference. The Eagles are practicing culture, preparation, and knowledge of what's being asked. They're looking at their and they're looking at the players right now who they believe is going to understand exactly what's being asked of them. The Eagles are going about their business as a football team because they're motivated after what they saw in that Super Bowl. Look at the Jets. Quarterback's nicked. He's at he's a TV star. That's a Broadway play. Okay, it's a Broadway play. The great teams with the great quarterbacks, the Michael Jordans, the Tom Brady's of the world, they don't miss training camp. They don't miss OTAs. Why? The quicker I can get the younger players on the same page with me, the better we'll be. Not I'll be. That guy's looking in New York like it's about me. It's not. It's about the – dude, you're the – you think Aaron Rodgers is a concern in New York? Boy, I don't think so. I think everyone around him is. I'm more concerned about, do you know when that guy looks you off, he's expecting you because that safety is going to be coming across the middle of the field on protection because Rodgers has moved his head. He's coming back across the field because he's got that arm strength to do it. You can't be taking the backside playoff, son. Or Rodgers, if he's not there, Zach Wilson ain't completing that. That's that again. Those are the little tiny things that you practice. Especially here, how about this? Especially when you're trying to be a champion. Those little tiny things, right there. It's it, see, the Eagles have turned themselves into a little thing, big thing matter. Okay, little things matter because they turn into big things. And th this is why sometimes when you look at some of the philosophies that they have on special teams, linebacker safety. You question that because 
Why would why wouldn't you you question it? Because Jesus, man, that's the heart of your defense. No wonder you don't spend a lot of money over there. No wonder you hire mercenaries. To, the Eagles hire mercenaries going all the way back to Chris Long and everyone else. That def, get this. I get the offense. Only one guy in the Super Bowl wasn't drafted, and that was AJ Brown. Okay, great. Look at that defense, though. 75% of the defensive football players are not homegrown. They don't believe in defense that much anymore in Philly. That's why you get Jonathan Gannon D coordinators. When, when, when Jim Johnson and Buddy Ryan, Seth Joyner was a homegrown guy. Okay? Hugh Douglas was homegrown. Jeremiah Trotter, those guys were homegrown and developed. They don't develop those players anymore. These guys are on one-year contracts. They're not going to get resigned because they don't give a shit about the linebacker position. And TJ, hey, you think replacing Kaiser White's going to be that easy? You ain't got a guy on the roster right now that can replace him. So, you know, you guys keep telling me, you guys keep telling me Kaiser White was an average player. Well, you don't have anyone on that football team right now that will do the things that he did last year. You don't have a player that can do that or that has shown can do it. You have no – Morrow's going to replace Kaiser White. That's a laugh. Dude, he was the Bears' garbage. Okay? TJ Edwards is the upgrade to him. They hired your guy, fired that guy, and you hired their trash. It's an analogy. No disrespect, but it's an analogy. They moved off him. You're making him sound like he's some great ball player. They wanted to upgrade, so you took the Bears downgrade, who were the 32nd worst defense against the run. Okay. How, how, how do you think that's an upgrade? <laughs> I mean, you're making it sound like, who do you have that replaced Kaiser right now? You ain't got a guy. Oh, N'Kobe. <laughs> okay. Like I said, I think he does have to make one more big move. But he can tackle. Yeah. You know what you, know what you call him five-star Morrow? A chaser. You know what a chaser is? Every one of his tackles and all them 100 tackles he made, he was running down the field. The Bears got blown off the ball, dude. Guy made 100 tackles on the 32nd worst defense in the league. You think he had a good year? And some would go like this. Well, says, so what about the talent around him? That's a factor. That's a factor. You take kicks off the team. You moved Quinn, who was running out of gas anyway, and you moved Smith. Okay, it's fair. Okay, you're right. Morrow's an upgrade to TJ Edwards. Power hour, resetting. Still a ton to hit on. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. 
go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know it was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. Go to Loretta, go to Loretta. Fake them up. Mama, go. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Appreciate it. Hour number three. Big sales here. Appreciate it. Hit the like button, please. See, here's the difference with legendary quarterbacks and leaders. I'm not worried about salaries of quarterbacks. I'm worried about legacies. Mahomes. This guy, man, he went to the school of broadcasting. He totally gets it. Yeah, but again, who talks like that? Millionaires, <laughs> right? You could talk like that because you got a shitload of money in the bank. And let's not forget something here. It's not like Patrick Mahomes. What is he, the seventh highest paid guy now in the league? It's not like this guy. It's not like this guy's making chicken feed here. This guy's got a $500 million contract. Excuse me, Joshua. He copied Jalen Hurts? No, no, no. Jalen Hurts copied the winner. got to remember something. He's the winner. <laughs> Why would he copy Jalen Hurts? 
Jalen Hurts has nothing on him. Zero. Okay? It's not like he's in a contract here. No, no, no. Okay? I, 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 I play for championships, not contracts. I was like, come on, man. <laughs> hey, you got a $500 million contract. Well, don't be a bullshit artist. <laughs> we all... Come on, man. But you know this. Already the uh, the Hunt family's already said they're going to redo the contract. But, dude, man, come on. That was a ready-made for television comment. Why Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts and Lamar are all worried about contracts. I'm worried about legacy. <laughs> okay. You're not worried about $50 million. Hey, you Really? What would you be more concerned about, your legacy or $50 million per year over five years? I'm sorry. The legacy talk can wait. <laughs> Let's cut the deal for $50 million a year. Don't talk stupid. Don't be stupid when you're talking like that. It's okay, though. Hey, 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 legacy, can I give you guys the greatest example of how dumb that comment by Mahomes is? All right. Here's guys who cast their legacy in. And tell me if you agree or disagree on this. I think you, I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but here was my theory on why Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens took steroids and extended their careers. Do you know from the age of 37, both these guys, they made more money from the age of 37 to 43 than at any time in their careers. Bonds made $275 million dollars. From the age of 37 to 44. You know what he said? No disrespect. Fuck the Hall of Fame. <laughs> he, he, he went like this. I don't care. Hall of Fame? What, so I could go around signing baseballs and hats? Making $300 a ball? Why would I do that? You ever notice why you don't see Bonds and Clemens? Okay. At these signing things, Roger Clements had a contract where he didn't have to travel on away games and only pitched at Yankee Stadium. Remember that contract? Okay. Jason Peters isn't still playing football because of legacy. He wants to cash checks. He don't give a shit about. He cared he played with the Eagles, but now he's a mercenary. Dude, those guys, same Sosa. Juan Gonzalez, A-Rod, A-Rod made a billion dollars. He's not getting to the Hall of Fame. What would you rather have, a billion dollars or a Hall of Fame plate in Cooperstown? Any admiration of fans? (laughs) You guys are crazy. Those guys cast their legacies in. They didn't give a shit. That's why they juiced. That's what, hey, Niners go steroid Rodriguez. Yeah, you, no, no, no. You mean billionaire Rodriguez. See, I agree. He sold in his legacy. I would too. And so would you. So would you. You would sell your legacy for a billion dollars. Fans are care about legacy people that actually go pro want to know how much money they're going to make 
I would never take steroids. So you wouldn't take steroids if it made you an Olympic legend and it made you generational wealth. Really? Okay. Really? You're lying. That's what Clemens and Bonds and all them guys in the steroid era. By the way, dear God, please bring back the steroid era. It was way more interesting and exciting, and we had villains in the sport. Today, we don't have anything in the sport that I could root against. Amen. Please, God, bring the steroid era back. Thank you. (laughs) The steroid era was interesting and great and fun. Okay? It was fun. Home runs everywhere. You guys know, I'm off topic here a little bit. Baseball is boring. Let me ask you something, Joshua. Do you think baseball was boring during the steroid era? Hell no. You think baseball was, dude, every time Barry Bonds came to Philadelphia, you guys booed him. There were villains. Okay. I covered Bonds. Niner, I covered Bonds. My wife and I never went to a ball game. We must have went to like 50 ball games. I don't know if I ever went to a game. I didn't see Bonds at a home run. (laughs) I covered him and Ricky Henderson. It was awesome times in the Bay Area when I worked there. But so the the baseball was so, so exciting. You guys really know why they stopped the steroids. You know, remember the owners, what they said? Well, you know... The health of the players. Since when does an owner give a shit about the health of the players? No. What was that kid? They didn't want to pay Brady Anderson $35 million a year for hitting 50 home runs when his best year he hit 18 and they knew he was juicing. The numbers were so out of whack. So what did they do? They put a steroid policy in. So they didn't have to pay guys $50 million. Instead, they paid them $20 million. It lowered the salaries. Why? Because the numbers were lowered. They didn't do it for the betterment of the health of the players. They did it so that they could not have to pay these guys for hitting 56 bombs. Dude, you hit 70 home runs. You got to pay that guy $70 million. You hit 35 home runs. I got to pay him $30 million. That's why they did it. They didn't do it for the betterment of the game. They did it because the owner saw these numbers through the roof. And someone told them these steroids were making these players like Pete Incavilla and Juan Gonzalez and all these guys to put up these incredible numbers, and it was skewing the record books. You were pushing guys out of the top 10 in Hall of, Hall of Famers who were hitting all them home runs. You were making them like 14th and 15th. Okay. But however, it was one of the more exciting times in baseball. (laughs) Bring the juice back. Shit, man. Baseball right now is watching sand go through a sunglass, that that dial. I mean, it's, it's, it's boring. Baseball is boring right now. It's a boring sport. No one talks about it anymore. Dude, how many times when Bonds and McGuire and Sosa and those guys were chasing down Maris, did you stop at restaurants and look up and go like this? And it was must-see television. 
My wife and I used to go to restaurants, and all of a sudden they would have break-ins for normal television because McGuire and and uh, Sosa were going after the home run record. Don't do that shit anymore. Okay? They don't do that. Exactly, Jack. Weapon goes, is the Mahomes comment the Brady effect because that sounds like something Brady would say? I think it's a dig at the other quarterbacks, letting them know who the king is and why he would do this. Unlike Jalen Hurts and um, Lamar Jackson and Burrow, Herbert, Allen, I'm worried about legacy. I'm not worried about numbers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not worried about contracts. Dude, come on. <laughs> you, you know, every one of those quarterbacks are doing what you and I are doing. Come on, guy. You don't really mean that. Hey, I don't want to make the most money. Let those guys make the most money. I'm just glad to be a chief. Oh, shucks. Hey, I play for the love of the game. Hey, I did. I, I, don't lie. Ben Roethlisberger said something the other day. He was wishing Kenny Pickett sucked. And I was like, this, holy shit, somebody with some honesty finally. Hey, you know what? When Pickett took over for me, I wanted the kid to suck. I didn't want him to just roll in there and really play well. And, man, he sucked. I was really happy about that. It's a real, hey, it's a real penis comment. But at the end of the day, he's honest. I was like, holy shit, somebody's honest. Okay? Ben was like this. Hey, man. Ben Ben went like this. He was a total tool. I mean, this guy was a penis doing this. Hey, I want the kid to suck. What do you want from me? Okay. <laughs> I had not quite heard it that way before. I don't think I don't. Hey, by the way, for the record, I don't really think Ben's got too much to worry about. I think his legacy is going to be okay in Pittsburgh. I do. I think I, I think he's going to be all right. <laughs> it comes to to uh, to Pittsburgh. Selfish. He had one foot out the state. Hey, I'm just saying, man. You kill a kid when a guy's honest, and he's being honest. I don't know. Why? Every time somebody gets replaced, whether it's in broadcasting, can you hear hey, So this is what people want. Hey, Tone, check it out. Big Seals gets replaced. Hey, I hope the next guy has all the luck in the world. Good luck to you. I hope you have as long as a career as I've had. Congratulations to you, kid. Go get him. <laughs> That ain't happening. Dude, I hope your internet connection sucks. I hope your producer sucks. I hope you suck. I hope everyone hates you. What are you, crazy? Why would I want you to do better than me? That's human nature. (laughs) Hey, yeah, don't say if someone replaces me. Don't walk near the stairs. Oh, Souls, that's not being a good teammate. Who said I was? <laughs> Who's wait? Hey, you know, hey, listen, man. You like you, let me see. I know many people think I've had a hundred jobs. It's not true. Let me real jobs. Let me think. Okay. KMBR, I was there for six years. 
WDAE in Tampa, I was there for 15 years. Um, QAM, I was there a year. <laughs> 1090, I was there five years. And the other San Diego job, and I've had six jobs in 33 years in broadcasting. Six. Six jobs in 33 years. I don't know. That's not awful. And I, my, my biggest stint was 15 in Tampa. You know what I mean? Like what? And hey, and for the record, I'm so happy that all those shows suck in Tampa after me. They've had seven shows since I left in 2013. How you doing? <laughs> They've had seven morning shows since I left. <laughs> Hey, someone does be wrong, I'd be pissed, but let it go. Oh, yeah, eventually you just go, I don't care anymore. Damn, Sills, you're old. Kiss my ass, Jeremiah. <laughs> Kiss my ass. All right, I got, a, I got another topic here for you. And I don't know if this kid on the Eagle team is this guy. Let me ask you something here. And let me put it out there to all you. So you're a brand new hire at your company and you're the new kid on the block. You went through a really great interview process. Your company, your boss, the owner of the company, he couldn't believe how great you were. And you were coming out of college. You're like a law firm. You were one of the hottest prospects. Every firm wanted you. Every firm, from Philly to Madison Avenue, L.A., Boston, everywhere, Chicago. You were the hot thing in town. You had your pick of what law firm to work for. You pick a law firm in Philly. As the year goes on, you're good. You're not quite achieving... The case success that we were hoping. Yeah, you know, he's talented. But should we have him on our main cases? So what does the law firm do? They look for the next hottest guy. They look for the next hottest guy. You're still there in the building. Okay? And you're in the building. You're working on cases. And you're hearing things. Are they going to hire another? They're not going to go to my college, too, and do it. Are they? This guy's got the choice. He's one of the hottest He's one of the hottest guys out there calling this guy the best attorney prospect they've seen in a long time. All of a sudden, the firm in Philly offers this new attorney who went to your school. A new gig. 
And there you are. And what does they what what does that firm do? They put that guy in his office right next to yours. And guess what? You got to share the same secretary. <laughs> And you're the guy that was hired the year previous. How are you feeling if you're attorney one? How would you feel? How would you feel if somebody who went to the same school had the same law degree, had the same teacher, as you did, and they went back to that same school and hired a guy that does your job. How would you feel? Okay. <laughs> Perturbed? What? If this relates to Davis and Carter, I'm looking forward to seeing... <laughs> Holy shit, Yale. That's the first time I'm going to put you on the podium so that you could run for the mayor of Philly. God knows you need one. Holy shit. Yale's now the new mayor. Hey, your new name, Yale, is the Philly mayor. Holy shit, you're running for mayor. I just told you about being honest at Brothersburger. Hope that picket failed and sucked. Happy if I like the guy. <laughs> I don't give a shit if he's my best friend. I would accept the competition. <laughs> Woo wee. Okay. Holy cow. Hey, you know what? I'll accept the competition. Hey, I'm really happy for my friend. Hey, congratulations. Way to go. Welcome aboard. I'm here to help you. <laughs> what are you nuts? Are you out of your minds? You guys really think like that? Holy shit. I'd be one pissed off dude if they went to the same school and hired the same the same lawyer that has the same degree and sits next to me and I have to share the sippy cups and I have to share the coffee pot with the same guy because I would think they think I didn't do my job last year. I would accept the competition. <laughs> no, what do you mean you would accept the competition? Whether you want to accept it or not, they made you accept the competition. Was it by choice? Carter isn't there to replace Davis. Then what is Davis there for? He's there to replace a 33-year de defensive tackle? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use Tone's topic here to expand after I get. So aren't you pissed off if you're Jalen Carter that you drafted the same guy at the same position from the same school that had the same coach recruit you? Are you not a little bit like they, they went to the same position, not only same position, they went to the same school. Dude. Oh, is that how you see it? He's there to replace Fletcher. Is he? 
Hardgrave. He's dude. Jordan Davis. Uh, I'm gonna get, I, I want to save this for a second here. So you guys don't think that there's any kind of your 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 Jordan Davis. You would just blow that off that somebody drafted you in the same position. Well, let me hook you up how the NFL is. The next time you have a chance to talk to an NFL guy, ask him how they feel when a team drafts a guy at your position, how that makes you feel. Ask him. Not this bullshit here that you guys are, this, <laughs> this fantasy land that you guys are living in. Ask him what it's like when you are drafting a guy from the same school at the same position you play. <laughs> See how that goes. <laughs> Philly fans overrate Jordan Davis, you think? I think this guy's the second coming to Jerome. He's not. Now I'm going to ask you, I, I actually like Tone's topic here. Sales. Who's more likely to have their fifth-year option picked up, Carter or Davis? And for the record, we haven't even seen Carter play yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I still think it's a good topic. So here, Jordan Davis is not going to be Fletcher Cox. We know this now. I just hope he doesn't have the same production as Andre Dillard. Right now, Jordan Davis is closer to being Andre Dillard than Fletcher Cox. <laughs> huh? I'm not, I'm not, that wasn't my time. See, this goes like the post. That wasn't even my topic, but I liked it because I think it's, I think it's a good, I think it's a good question. So wait a minute, you don't really think that's, you're not going to put that story in the newspaper because the, the Eagles would have a shit cow with it if you started doing this. So Jordan Davis had no problem with a guy being drafted at the same position. Really? Well, isn't he a guy? <laughs> oh, man. Isn't he a guy? Well, what a good guy he is. That just tells me a little bit about his personality. Because if somebody did that shit to me, I would do everything on my power to make sure that I would out, was out there 100% focused and ready to go, and I'd take no prisoners, and I'm not helping anybody, guy. Ben Roethlisberger's right. You see how Roethlisberger thinks? That's how every NFL player thinks. Stop with this shit over here. Oh, you know, I'm going to shake his hand and welcome the competition. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when you welcome the competition, that means you're welcoming him to take your contract, and you're out. You're not on scholarship anymore. There's only 53 of these gigs. You're out of your tree. Nobody thinks like that. Nobody. Kelsey doesn't think like that. Because Kelsey is going to the Hall of Fame. You're talking about a Hall of Fame player. You don't have a Hall of Fame player. In Jordan Davis. 
Hall of Fame player versus Jordan Davis. Okay. Jordan Davis's instant reaction was, hey, my boy's coming to Philly after the pick settled. Damn. After the pick settled then, damn, I may be on the clock. <laughs> Don't think's like an NFL guy. Damn right. Shit. They drafted my replacement already? Damn. <laughs> but no, I welcome the competition. Here, why don't you just have my girlfriend next? <laughs> <laughs> Here, you want my car, too? <laughs> hey, hey, you, you, can have my, you can have my locker if you want, too. I'll, I'll get a new one. Hey, if you want my jersey number, I'll give it to you. Holy criminy, man. Oh, oh boy. Sip of water, Seals. You got to – hey, Relax. Wow, you guys are, when contract time comes up, trust me, they're not keeping both. Doubtful. Seals predicted Jordan Davis draft. Niners, I said it's a good pick, just not a 13. Okay? Just not a 13. Davis and Carter are set up to play next to each other. Okay. Well, again, uh, let's 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 see how this plays out here. Let's see how this plays out here. All right. Get to some NFL news here. Um Adrian Peterson at 38 years of age. Still wants to play running back in the NFL. You can't draft a run stopper in the top 15. On draft day, I said he's either Vince Wolfirk or Fletcher Cox. And he's down here. And he'll always be down here. He is never going to be a sack guy. Because he's never been. And I know what Seth said. Why? Because how he goes, why can't he be? Well, he's never been. You're either a sack guy or you're not. He's never been. But he's miraculously going to turn into one in the NFL. Really? Well, let me know. Fletcher had immediate impact. Actually had a few sacks, like six, his first year. Said said the same thing. You're damn right. He was drafted too high. The Eagles overdraft. You guys have way too much. There's two things because these guys came from Georgia. You think they're going to automatically be NFL superstars. They're not. Kobe's got a long way to go. Knowledge alone. His physicality, too, depending on what scheme they play, will be a factor. He's got a lot working against him. He came into the league injured. He's not played a lot his first year. 
he's taking over a role now that he has to be the quarterback on defense. He's going to wear the dot. Well, usually that Mike linebacker wears it. He's got, it's not only just his play, his responsibility factor's high. And for Davis, Davis has got to, this is what I would really do. And to kind of close that topic up, this is what I would do if I was Jordan Davis. I'd put all that shit behind me now and just be the best player I can. He's never going to live up to the 13th pick in the draft, ever. Okay? He'll never live up to that. And as a matter of fact, being a first-round pick, most, I would say, don't live up to it. Like, watch this. Has Devontae Smith lived up to being, what was Devontae, the 11th or 12th player taken, something like that? Has he lived up to being that pick? Yeah. Has Jalen Hurts lived up to being a second rounder? <laughs> Dude, no doubt. Has Lane lived to being up, lived up to being a, let's take a look at your first rounders over the last couple of years, if they lived up to being first rounders. Ha- has Lane? Yes. Has, well, Rager's gone. Dillard's gone. Has Derek Barnett lived up to it? No. Who else? Devontae has. Has Any guys that are on your team that are first-rounders, has any of them outside of Lane Johnson and Devontae Smith lived up? Fletcher, for sure. Graham, yes. Graham, what what pick was Graham? What 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 round? I think he came out of Michigan. Am I right when I say it? I think he came out of Michigan. Um, has he lived up to it? Yeah. 12th? Yeah, he's lived up to it. Played a long time. Had a really fine career. Sack total's not where it should be for a guy that's played that long. I think he sacks at 50. Not a great number. Had a great year last year, but not a spectacular number. But again, he was asked to do different things in different schemes, so it's not a rip. But 50 sacks? Fletcher's had 70 sacks. I mean, he's had a career that compares with Dominic Sue. Okay? He's had a he he's had a uh, terrific career. And he's played on one team. But really, I mean, very rarely do you have guys live up to being first round picks. So to sit there and tell me you think that this guy's going to break the mold of the Eagles when it comes to their first round picks is nuts, especially with what you've seen already. Now it's early in the process, but he's not, dude, he's not going to have Jalen hurts jumps. That's not what he's going to be. Do you understand that Jalen hurts problems were fundamentals and perception Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis, nobody questioned their ability. They questioned Jalen's ability. But it was more technique and fundamentals 
And once he got better coaching and people who believed in him, that's why he had that springboard jump. As you would say, Dan, our defense is in the land of the unknown. Absolutely. That's why that side of the football could still be the crux that brings down the castle because you just don't know. I mean, look, I think I, I think there's there's talent there. We talked about it with Seth yesterday. Okay? And 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 until we see it, that's why again when we talked about these mini camps and OTAs, they're finding out right now who understands what's being asked of them. I'm hoping this kid Nolan Smith, I think this kid Nolan Smith could be a force on that team. I don't know where Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis are going to be in this entire process. I'm really thrilled to death. One thing, I am thrilled to death they got. I never thought I'd say this. Tone, I thought they should have moved off of um, off of uh, Fletcher Cox. Now, I'm grateful he's there. I am grateful he's in the building. Because if you didn't have Fletcher Cox, that could have been a train wreck in your tackle positions. Not because they're not good but because they don't know what they're doing yet. And you got a lot of youth in there. Let's, let's, let's be fair here. The Washington commanders, when they got those two guys, Allen and the other guy in there, it, they took some bumps and bruises early on, but you saw the talent. You saw how good they could be. They probably got the two best tandem tackles in the NFL right now. Okay. Washington's got the two best defensive tackles in the NFL. They're superior. They're not superior. Well, yeah, I don't know yet what the Eagles are going to look like. But the commanders have two better tackles defensively than what the Eagles have. I do think that Smith has an opportunity to put it in the right position to sack and lead the team in sacks. I do believe that. I do. I think Nolan Smith has an opportunity if they use him correctly and they put him on the field the same time as Hassan Reddick, who are you going to defend in a double team? Hassan Reddick or Nolan Smith? I'm going to try. I'm going to leave a back in for Reddick and I'm going to leave my tight end in for Reddick, which means what? You're going to be one-on-one outside with an offensive tackle that you should beat on the weak side. So to me, I mean, on the strong side, which is usually your right tackle, nobody has a right tackle in the NFL like Lane Johnson, except the Eagles. So to me, 4-3, one-on-one, isn't that what we're talking about here? I'm double-teaming Reddick on a pass rush on third long. I'm not doing that to Nolan Smith. So if you put Nolan Smith in a position to succeed, JM, why wouldn't you think that? Yeah, I do. It's potential. That's why it's in the land of unknown. That's why it's called a prediction, kid. Look it up. There's a word in the dictionary. It's called prediction. Cox is definitely the alpha male. And the glue that keeps it all together. Hopefully it rubs off on the youngsters. I think it will. I think, again, that's one of the reasons why, in my opinion, that they brought him in or brought him back and paid him the money. That $10 million made no sense to me. It made no sense. 
It made zero. Now it makes a ton of sense. It also makes you think. Um, yeah, JM goes that Davis is equally unknown. Fletcher wasn't his rookie year. He was drafted the same spot. When you pull up Fletcher Cox's rookie season, dude, this guy played in half the games and had a better stat line. And when you watch Fletcher Cox play his freshman year or his rookie year, you were like this, this kid's good. I don't say that about Davis. Look up Fletcher Cox's numbers his rookie year. Look him up. He was an impact football player in his first year in the NFL. And you saw the talent. Everyone on the planet saw it. You were like, holy shit, man. I I saw him a couple times at Ole Miss, but I didn't think he was that good. Shit, he got to the NFL. He he was a good-looking football player. Fletcher's a borderline Hall of... Well, well, Yale, he was the 13th pick. He, he was, Jerome didn't start his first year. Okay. Jerome didn't start. So are you comparing? Cox rookie year, 15 games played, nine starts, five and a half sacks, 39 tackles, eight TFLs, 10 quarterback hits. Do you understand that Jordan Davis had 19 tackles? This guy had 40. And now you've got people in here comparing Jordan Davis to Jerome Brown. Mississippi State, is it? Okay. All right, let me take a timeout. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. 
Fly with Colony right now, Birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. guys in here comparing Jordan Davis to Jerome Brown. Jesus criminy. <laughs> Devontae Smith's a top 10 wideout. Again, you know, I don't want to shit on Devontae because I like his attitude and he's not a blowhard. He's not. He's not doing it to, to toot his horn. He's not that guy. Okay? he's He's not. But, again, at the end of the day, man, I mean, you know, if you really want to look at that, is he a top – does he – does he have a chance – how about this? Let me look at this again. Here's the top ten wideouts I have. Devontae Adams, Justin, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel, Mike Evans. Shit, I could even take – McLaurin out and put DK Metcalf in there. Um, can he be better than Mike Evans? Damn, man. Mike Evans is a six foot, what, four wide out? And I don't know. I don't think he'll ever have the career Mike Evans had. I mean, And Debo's used differently. Debo's used differently. Mike Evans stats. Oh, Jesus criminy. Yeah, this ain't happening. He's not putting these numbers up. Nobody in Eagle history has. Holy shit. You know, it's funny. You know one thing? He's never had... One thing's for sure, though, huh, Tone? He's never had a 100-catch year. Hey, you know what, though, Tone? He's never had a 100-catch season. That's kind of shocking in a way. 1,050, 1,200, 1,321, 1,050, 24, 11, 20, 1,000, 12 touchdowns, 12 touchdowns, 13 touchdowns, 14. He's not that guy. This is like T.O. numbers. This is like T.O., He'll, he'll never be Mike Evans. Let me look at Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin stats. 
Oh, Jesus. And shit quarterbacks. 919, pretty much the same kind of rookie year. 58 catches. Then he went to 1,100 yards, 87, 1,053, 77. Then another. Can you imagine if this guy had a decent wide uh, quarterback throwing him the ball? I mean, I can't even tell you. I mean, this guy had bums throwing him the ball. Pretty impressive numbers that he's been able to put 1,000-yard seasons up with the bums that they've had in Washington. And the kid Dotson does help on the other side. He does. Let's look at Debo Samuel's numbers. That's interesting. Debo Samuel's stats. Debo's had one year of 1,000 yards, 1,405 in 2021. He's used differently, though. Jet sweeps, running the ball. He's more of a utility guy. So, in theory, could you say that he could be a better wide receiver than Debo Samuel? Yeah. But will he be the same offensive weapon of Samuel? No, never. But he, 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 see, I think there's a difference with him. He could be a better wideout than Samuel. But I don't, that's a good comparison there, Yale. He's almost like the Christian McCaffrey of wide receivers. You know, he's jet sweep shit and he's all this other stuff, running the ball in between the tackles. You know, wide receivers don't run the ball in between the tackles. Dumbo Samuel, well, because he's crying. That is a true case. You know, AJ didn't really put up a ton of numbers until this past season. Could he be better than AJ Brown? AJ Brown stats. Fifty-two catches, ten fifty, and that's a run offense too. He's in, in Tennessee. 1,075, Tennessee. Got hurt, missed three games, had 869, would have been a 1,000-yard guy, 63 catches. Then he came to Philadelphia at 88 with a passer in 1,500 yards, 1,496. So three of his four years, 1,000-yarder, he could be in that conversation there with, with, with AJ. He could be in that conversation I think Devontae fits better in the slot than on the outside. I think that too. I think that too. I, I'd like to see, but it's more physical on the slot. Let's look at Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup stats. Now that one year is going to blow everyone away. But 869. 566, 1161, 94 catches, 974, 92 catches, and then the 21 year, 145 in 1947. See, I don't believe that Cooper Cup is that good, the 1947. And I don't believe he is as bad as 812 this last year. So he's somewhere in the middle. Could he be better than Cooper Cup? Yeah. 
says a lot. But see, everyone looks at that one season and goes, well, you know, Sills, what are you talking about? He had 2,000 yards. Well, you know, you're not as good as the best year you had. And you're not usually as bad as the shittiest year you had. You're somewhere in the middle in there. Okay? JM goes that Devontae's got better hands. He'll never have the career that Mike Evans had. Ever. He'll never have the career. I think Cup is more like a 1,200-yard ATD receiver. Yeah, the one year was nuts. But to me, that's why I don't look at him. I go, well, you you know, you could actually say, who would you rather have right now, Cooper Cup or Devontae Smith on the Eagles? Are they the same guy? I mean, what would Devontae Smith do in a Kansas City offense? How many here? I think that's a good way to look at it. What do you what do you, what do you think? What what do you think Devontae would do if he had Patrick Mahomes as a starting quarterback? The year that uh, Stafford went nuts, how many yards do you think he'd have? Fifteen hundred yards, sixteen hundred yards. Okay, again, that's not what that's not what the Eagles do. That's not how they move the sticks. They're a balanced. They're a more balanced offense. With Stafford quarterback, he's going to be treated like Megatron. All the passes are coming to him. He'll get killed in the slot. Too small. I I, I think too lean. I don't know about too small. Too lean. If you put Smith in Kansas City, he'd have 1,600 yards and 102 catches. I happen to agree with that. I do. I think he'd have I think he'd have big no again. Um again now I think he's I think he's going to be I think he's going to be in a position that they're gonna to try to improve the passing game here. Yeah, I think Smith in a in a in a true like in Kansas City, he'd have a ton. 1500 in his sleep. Um, I think he's got, see, look, I think he's just in a weird offense. Not a bad offense. It's just not a spread out offense. Keep in mind, he's the number two option in Philadelphia. And Jalen Waddle's the number two option too. And he had 1400 yards, 1300 yards almost. So again, I, yeah, no, I'm, It's not preposterous to think he's right there, top 13. You you could make the argument, I'll take him over Hopkins. Let's see what Hopkins does this year, where he goes. If you like him over Waddle, okay, I guess it's a taste. Would you take him over McLaurin? I don't think so. I think McLaurin in Kansas City's offense too would be a 17. Oh, that means they're the same. That, that, that means they're the same. Stefan Diggs. Let me look at that. Is he comparable to Stefan Diggs? Stefan Diggs stats. Oh no. 
Wow. 